What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Paranormal. I'm Johnny Monoxide, and tonight I am joined by Reinhard von Krieger. Hello, sir. What's happening, everybody? All the way from Japan, Konnichiwa, Old Skull. Konnichiwa. Yeah, how's it going? Also down in the dungeon, taking notes, Grognak. What up? Hey, guys, what's up? Much actually, there's a lot going on, and very, very special guest. We've all been digging into his content recently. Um, we have the man here himself, Jason. How do you see your last name so I don't mess it up? My name is Brashears. Brashears, Jason Brashears, the Archaics channel on YouTube and other locations. What's up, man? I'm pretty good, man. I'm excited to talk to you guys after looking at your uh, YouTube channel, seeing paranormies. I see that uh, you guys have never been accused of being normal. Oh, wait a second. Now, the Paranormies on YouTube aren't us. Really? It's totally different? The guys that are on YouTube, the Paranormies, it's another guy named Johnny, which is funny, what? by the way. But they do videos where they, 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 they do paranormal ghost hunting and that kind of stuff. Kind of like Yeah, I've seen, two, I've seen two different Paranormie-type channels. Yes. Now, they're Paranormies. I have a channel that doesn't have very many videos on it, but uh, we've been banned from, from YouTube <laughs> for a long time. For a long time banned. Long time. We got banned back in season two and a half, like two or three, way back. We questioned uh, something that's coming up on its anniversary this year, Sandy Hook, and you know what happened to Alex Jones while the Sandy Hook Internet Defense Force took us out, and also um, the JIDF. We did a Holocaust series as well, so that'll get you banned from anywhere. Um, so yeah, so that is, that's not us on YouTube, but our website okay. is uh, paranormies.com. I hope you checked it out. Awesome. Yeah. But we are we are not, yes, nobody could ever accuse us of being normal. We are known as the Schizo Podcast. Um, we do everything here from transvestigations to hidden history to all kinds of stuff. And everything seems to tie together. And you, your research takes a lot of different conspiracies or theories, whatever you want to call them. And you tie a lot of these together in a lot of different ways using using dates and numbers, which is really cool. Yes, um, it's let, let's not let it be believed that I set out to show that I believe that this construct is a simulation. That's not that's not that's not at all how this began. It actually began as a series of totally independent things that I was researching. I was just, I, I'm interested in everything. And then one subject matter bled into another topic and another topic just merged with another, just different ideas and concept. As I chased the information began to coalesce. Next thing you know, I had three or four huge rivers of data sets that were all going to the same, same conclusion. And it was basically inescapable. And it, it took a while. It took years. It took a lot of, a lot of divorcing myself from, from previous belief systems. Uh, but in the end, simulation theory was a conclusion to everything that I have researched. It, mm -hmm. it was not everything I researched trying to defend a position. So you didn't just grab a copy of Baudrillard and be like, oh, now I know what's up and watch The Matrix and you're good. Nothing like that, right? No, I'm slightly <laughs> embarrassed to say that my, my journey began because I was born a Southern Baptist Christian in a very, very religious, fundamental, puritanic family. And uh, went to church five times a week. Wow. And I was I was in prison, basically trying to research everything that proved what I already believed, 
And for about 10 years, that worked out for me because I was really good at practicing exclusions and just putting putting stuff to the side. Now, this is all in between all the knucklehead shit I was doing in prison as well. I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to sit here and think I was a saint. I actually stayed in prison a very long time because of things that I did when I was there. Mm. But at the same time, I was, uh, I'm addicted to books. I'm addicted to information. And uh, I'm a prolific note taker. So I'm living two different lifestyles at the same time for two decades. And uh, one of them is a knucklehead, and the other one is, uh, you know, I'm basically a closet scholar. I'm going to read everything, and I'm going to uh, basically compare paradigms, compare notes. And this basically, I just, I just research myself completely out of one paradigm into another. Hmm. So, I mean, we, we find that happens a lot when our research, when we're looking into things, it's like, you know, uh, new stuff comes to light. So you have to change your way of thinking or change your paradigms, right? Um, I agree. Yeah. So where do we want to stress so much stuff? Good Lord. You have so many videos, bro. Like so many videos. It was like when, when people first started, because um, you, not just recently, but short recently, I guess, you've gotten very popular. Right? Am I am I am I incorrect in saying that? Like you, a lot of people well, have I been spent, dropping. Your I spent stuff. about two years, two years and two okay. months uploading videos because I was only trying to get all my data sets out, mm-hmm. and I provide as much as as much visuals as possible. But after two years and two months, I only had two thousand subs. Uh, I wasn't marketing. I wasn't trying. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't doing really anything but uploading the material, and the channel was spreading by word of mouth. But that's because I was running a company called Paradise Rock Gardens, and I was working full time doing flagstone for koi ponds and swimming pools and the facades of new porches and patios and all that. So uh, I just didn't take YouTube seriously. I was just wanting to get all my all my research out there, and it just became a habit. And twice a week, I was uploading videos, and then. Uh, in about a four month period, I jumped a thousand subs. And when I got to 4,200, I had my first podcast that was with, uh, Santos Bonacci. And, ah, uh, yes. since then my, my increase has been ex- exponential every week. But if you, if you really want to just get this started, I mean, we've got multiple people right here. We could actually start with what video in archaics was your <laughs> aha moment. What did you see that was like, oh damn, I never put that together before. And we can start from there and just go off. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Um, who wants to start? Who was who has who was their aha moment? Well, I didn't specifically have an aha moment, but I was recommended to listen to some of your videos <clears throat> by a number of people all at once. Actually it was <laughs> like three or four people all at once. And we're very online and uh, you know, we host a telegram channel and the podcast and we're always in contact with a lot of different people. And I, so I sort of started binging your videos, but I, I was watching the um, I was watching some of the interview videos with people. So you covered a lot of different topics all at once, but the, most intriguing thing that I wanted to know about or that we all wanted, we all want to know about today was the Phoenix event itself. Cause there's, a, there are a few different things you talk about, but the Phoenix event itself, when we were trying to explain, like, for example, um, Grognak and I both binged a lot of your videos before Johnny and Reinhardt did. And we were sort of trying to explain the things that you talk about to them. And it took, it took a while because your body of work is so, broad and there's so many different things you talk about. So um, I think a lot of people listening right now don't really understand what 
a Phoenix event is and what specifically happens. And uh, the thought, I, I know you, you can talk about the 138 year period, but I think the first thing that we all encountered was like, what's a Phoenix event? What exactly happens during a Phoenix event? If you were there, uh, are you going to get killed? Are you going to be able to witness it? Is there a safe place you can be? Uh, what sort of things occur uh, to the earth? What would you hear? What would you see? Would you mind uh, explaining that? Okay. Yeah, that is, that is a, uh, that's one of the main, the main tenets of the archaics research, but it, it, it is very complex and it's very difficult to simplify a phenomenon that takes on so many different types of manifestations. The main, the main body of proof that we have in it is its timing, that it's absolutely precise in the month of May, every 138 years. But we're not really good at predicting where it's going to affect in the world. But uh, the discovery of the information came by just noticing that the exact same events were happening to different civilizations in different time periods of their calendars. And if I was studying Babylonian history, which would have bled off into the Kassite dynasties, and then later the Assyrian takeovers, I would have an unbroken timeline of events when I would compare this material. And I might have 850 year segment of history where I have 580 chronological events all put to the side. And I can't go any further after the collapse of a dynasty because records or a reset had occurred, and there was a what scholars call intermediate periods. This, this is what I try to educate my listeners on. We have these massive resets recorded all throughout human history where it seems like every civilization in the world just stopped. People were just trying to eat. Record keepers weren't keeping records anymore, and they're always 24 to 27, 28 years long. Now, these are very cleverly covered up by academia. They call them intermediate periods, so you don't have any suspicion that something really unusual was going on, but it is unusual. So, uh, one of... uh, so I, I started documenting these, and I and I didn't know that I was actually onto something. I was only just researching all the histories of of the Maya uh, from about 400 BC to 400 AD, and I put all this together. I find out what the Zapotec, the Quiche, their records uh, or their traditional records had cited. What Montesinos said happened at certain dates in in the in the regnal years of different Inca kings, and I would I would put this to the side, not knowing that these in these these periods that were the same well, that I recorded in one culture or the exact same for another. And once I had about maybe 42 to 43 of these segments of history, many of them overlap. That's how the discovery was made. And when I put all this together and I put Chronicon together, this huge 550 page book that I put together, which is just a, it's just a history of the world, date by date, chronologically showing you what the year was in 41 different calendar systems around the world for whatever culture, whatever timekeeping system they were using at the time. So I, fi- so I found that some cultures, some weird horn-like sound. Every incidence was the appearance of a red star. Red star grows into something like a fiery red dragon. Sometimes it was a giant red wolf. It ate the moon. It turned the moon blood red. Sometimes it caused massive earthquakes. The the ground vibrated with such intensity that people watched their neighbors sink into the ground, just like the Philadelphia experiment when the soldiers sank into into the steel into the steel hull. So we have. Um, these incidents of mass human abductions, just vanishing of whole colonies and even civilizations. We have 
what the mud flood my my take on mud flood is very different but it happened at the same the same chronological uh template is true for the mud floods as well but it wasn't just mud flooding in a civilization and filling it up it was different this is this is some type of liquefaction caused by sound that is being emanated from an object in the air and it vibrates at such intensity that stone and metals are the last to vibrate but everything loose on the ground liquefies and it turns into this dirt and this mud and people sink into it and they die and it perfectly entombs whole civilizations and Two or three days later, it's a whole new land surface because when the sound is over with, the liquefaction stops and the ground is hard. So, and we and I show many, many different archaeological sites around the world where it's inexplicable. Archaeologists archaeologists are even baffled as to why a civilization would bury their cities in dirt because it's not natural. They say this about uh Huyuk and Gablekitipi, that the people actually buried those places in dirt before they left. And that doesn't make sense. That's just a theory to cover up an anomaly. So over and over, I put all these fragments of history together into a, a synthesis, a single timeline, and it jumped off the page every 138 years this was going on. And it was, and it's the same phenomenon. The sun actually goes dark, but it's not the moon eclipsing it. The moon is often seen in the sky as well, but it turns blood red and sometimes disappears as well. There's carbonaceous fallout coming out from coming from the sky, red dust, red, man, red rain and red mud also uh, uh, attends these these events but the 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 real mystery though is that it seems to have been predicted many times in ancient history and even modern times as recent as 1902 it was predicted but it also seems to absolutely ignore some communities and some people, even those in, in the in the very center uh, of the devastation. And we have traditions from the ancient world that talk about this 138-year visitation of the angel of death. And we have the stories of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and how a whole, a whole town called Abela absolutely survived and there wasn't a single casualty in that in that city and they're in the center of that devastation we have we have stories like the exodus story where this doom shape appears in the sky it's later rewritten as 10 as 10 plagues but uh, in the colburn bible version we have it as a doom shape it appears in the sky and the moon moon turns blood red there's earthquakes all kinds of fallout but it ignores an entire culture of people when their next door neighbors who are of, of a different pedigree, they're almost totally wiped out. This this acts with discretion. And I've had to make these notes over and over. And the Phoenix phenomenon is another reason why I am a proponent of simulation theory now, and that we have a weapon hidden in the sky that basically targets frequencies and um, those who are vibrating on, on certain frequencies. And there's no other there's no other way I can I can wrap my mind around this concept. It is so well documented. I have three published books about it, but I've even revealed even more information on my on my uh, YouTube channel, New Discoveries. But I can't wrap my my mind around such a concept that is so well written in, in, in history. It's so verifiable. I cite all my sources, but it can't be true unless our the very world we're in acts acts within properties that that we're not taught our world this is this is one of my mantras our world is not what you think oh it absolutely 
It absolutely is not. There's too many synchronicities, too many uh, coincidences. And one of our one of our phrases, one of our favorite phrases around here is, "There's no such thing as a coincidences." Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I say that a lot. Too many coincidences exhibits no coincidence at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then the numbers, the math always seems to check out. And the one thing that doesn't lie is math. No, even no. even though the left tries. The thing, to make- so so let's uh to go a little deeper, um, let's imagine. That first of all, my first published book. Uh, who asked that? Alt Skull. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Alt. My first published book was on the Phoenix, but at that time in my life in 2009, I was still believing 100% in the heliocentric model. Now, while I'm not a flat earther, I do agree with a lot of the research in flat earth that shows that we live on a flat plane, mm-hmm. but I'm a simulationist. So the actual globe or a, or an indefinite flat plane is absolutely irrelevant to the, to my daily life. And I can't, I can't make heads or tails of, of data that shows me both. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem in a hologram, two different data sets can show two different, two different paradigms, but you're only going to, feel that one is real in accordance to your vantage point. And this is the problem we have with simulation theory. Simulation theory actually has a defense mechanism built within it. And that is, and that is, there is no such thing as pure objectivity here. It's all subjective. Mm. So we can take arithmetic and we can take physics constants and we can put all these out and we can show people who can act, can exercise some objectivity and see what you see. But, but those who are unwilling to just alter their vantage point a little bit, they're going to be stuck in a paradigm and they're not going to ever be able to see it. Because when you're within a mathematical construct, you can't see the whole, you can only perceive in part. This is a problem. This is why simulation theory will never be proven, no matter how many data sets you divulge. So you say that you're not a heliocentrist, you're not exactly a... Um a flat earther, um, the, the plane, the real like meat and potatoes, or I guess farther down the meat and potatoes details are not exactly important. I would agree. Um, as far as the idea of a firmament or a dome goes right over this simulation, this contained, uh, area that we live in, do you believe that there do you believe that we can know anything outside of what is projected upon this dome? I mean, we see wandering stars, we see stationary stars that you know move, but they're in fixed positions at at a point. We know we know what that means. Um, but do you believe that there there is something outside that we can actually know that how these things are moving? Because on this show, we have gone through many, many um, I hate to use the word, but evolutions of ideas as far as this goes. And we've um, we've settled on not flat earth uh, society level kind of ideas, but uh, through several different iterations. Hold on. Hey, what? What, what do you think? I get where, I get, I get where you're going. And, and let me simplify this for you, because um, this this is a topic that can get very complex quick and go in, and go in different directions that are just tangential and really don't provide anybody a real clue about this type of reality. I, I On my channel, it is my habit to show many, many different examples that we are living in two different realities as far as the simulation goes. 
it is a similitude of something real. It is a simulacrum. The oldest traditions in the world are, are they, they have common denominators that it was a dream time. It was a copy of a real reality. It's like the photo negative of something that is quite real, but we're not existing in it. Just like Plato said, we are the shadows on the wall. We're not the people outside the cave, we, but we just didn't understand that. When I did my mathematical uh, simulation myself on a computer with a programmer named James Desmond Knorr, we did the Archaics Paradox video, and I showed that our own arithmetic has a countdown embedded within it there is a there is a basically an intrinsic entropy that is encoded within our the fabric of our arithmetic and i show that there's a single number in existence that does not collapse to zero upon mathematical scrutiny all other numbers in existence do it 2170 does not 2178 does not it it just eternally loops in, in, a, in a reflective hologram to 8712, and 8712, when it's reflected against itself, becomes 6523, and then 6523 just turns right back into 2178. And I show this in the video exactly how you can do this exercise yourself. This told us that things like Elliott Wave Theory and other mathematicians that have come out with these software programs for predictive analytics, they're on to something. There is a natural decadence. There is a like countdown in the simulation itself. It's already written in there when this is going to collapse. So what's going to happen when the simulacrum finally collapses, which the simulacrum is a copy of a real reality? Remember, the oldest traditions in the world said that mankind was made in the image of God, that animals were in of the images of something else, that everything in reality was actually a parable. Well, parables are images of truth. So if we're existing, if we're existing by virtue of the central nervous system made to feel that all these things are absolutely real and we're fooled, but these are actually just phenomena that we can experience through an avatar. So through this avatar, we can move through this holographic me medium and, and, and it feels so real to us, but in actuality, it's all illusory. So when this collapses, what are we going to find? Well, I theorize about I, I, several videos. I, I give theories about that because this is a copy. I do believe that on the outside of this Dyson shell like like Taurus field that we are imprisoned right now, I do believe on the outside is a real is a real universe where we are jacked in with some into some type of technology, and that this entire experience might be only eighteen minutes long. Although we've 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 lived multiple life sims during this period of time because time is subjective we don't really know basically on what time template we're on right now we could be moving a hyper hyperspeed fast i don't know because I, i'm 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 subjected to the same phenomena you are so by virtue of imagination i have to basically i I have to extrapolate through a series of educated guesses that because of all these things that I've discovered and that, and that reality is a copy of something else, then I truly believe that on the outside of the simulacrum where we really are, where our real bodies are and not these avatars, it's a real universe and that 
something bad happened and we're trying to avoid consequences. We're trying to do research and run sims, trying to figure out how the best methods of survival for us. We are probably on some like giant capital ship in between two stars, one that has died and one that we hope is alive. Uh, I don't know. This, this, where, this is where it becomes speculation, but it's an educated speculation because the research that I have unfolded that's attached to all the oldest calendrical systems in the world, every single one of those calendars started from a cataclysm. And then when you research the perimeters of those beliefs at the time, you find out that, well, that cataclysm was the capture of Luna. That was a great flood that was caused by the, the day that the moon appeared in the sky. Then you find out when the phoenix appeared for the first time and was documented. Then you find out when the Nemesis X object first appeared and was documented. Then you find out which cataclysms throughout history were caused by these different bodies that were that started these old calendrical systems. So, so it's speculation, but I am person. I am I am one hundred percent of the belief that you and I are existing within almost an exact copy of how a real world is. Because if it's not a copy, then all these simulations that are being, being rerun and these reboots that we call resets from the inside, they wouldn't, the output would be corrupted. The overseers who are running these, which is going to be us, they're going to be humans just like us because we are inside a very advanced technology, something far beyond the virtual reality technology that we are into, that we, we, we understand today. This is my position, and this is what I try to show in the archaics material, that we are actually immortal beings and that we are running these sims, and this is the best way that we can find to actually enjoy some type of physicality and experience the risk that comes with a real life. Hmm. So we are basically brains in a vat. Well, I don't know. I mean, on the outside of the construct, right? As, as soon as I'm done with this, for with whatever Jason Brashears is here to do, mm. when I'm done and I exit, if I get on my Harley and I'm going around a corner and I hit some gravel at 90 miles an hour down these old Texas roads and I die two minutes later, I may just take a, a headset off and look to my left and right and see the two girls that went in, went in the simulacrum with me have already exited and gone. And I'm the last man standing and I might go to a concession stand and then look on some type of holographic field and look and look at anybody who left me messages and then go on my next date before I, I sign up for another simulacrum ride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be a, a total recall type situation just outside of, you know, I mean, and they've told us, you know, over and over and over again in Hollywood, you know, movies and television. I mean, Skull, how, how much media have you consumed, consumed as research looking for this I mean, stuff? I uh, mean, please, please take into consideration as well that three years ago, you would have never heard me say these things. Three years ago, I was still stuck in that old paradigm. Oh, well, the, I, research, the research I was about to release on YouTube was going to go a totally different direction. Heliocentric model, 100%. I did not entertain any of the experiments of the flat earthers. I didn't want to know any. I didn't care about simulation theory. None of that. As a matter of fact, you can even see evidence of that in my very first video. 340-something videos in the past. <laughs> I, did one, I did one video three years ago, and I left it up. But uh, it's called Weapon in the Sky. And uh, I was I was trying to tap into the new the new craze where all the flat earthers, they were everywhere. And it was really popular. So I titled it Weapon in the Dome. 
but my information was all heliocentric. All I wanted to do was show people, look at this 138-year Phoenix timeline. I says, this is an unshakable thesis. Anybody can look up these sources. So the video is 40 minutes, and I released it. Right after I released that, I had a terrible motorcycle accident. I was in bed for about 45 days, totaled my bike out. Um, when it, I had concussion, I went to the ER. It was during that experience. I told I told people on my YouTube channel, I've done a couple videos about it, but it was during that experience that uh, I've never felt so, so good in my life. I didn't know that my shirt and a bunch of my skin had been ripped off uh, on a barbed wire fence. I didn't know. I didn't even know that I had a gash in my uh, my head. And I didn't know that there was rebar sticking out my right arm. It, it tore my tattoos out the back of my, my arm. I didn't know about any of that. I just felt great. And I was watching people come run to me and surround me. And I just felt humans were so fascinating to me and I wanted to know and talk to everybody as they were, as they were making me sit down and I just passed out and I woke up in the, in the ambulance and uh, the, the entire experience changed my perspective. So over that course of healing for 45 days or so before I could move around, cause my, I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of damage to my body, but that most of the damage was from my internal organs sloshing against my 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 uh my rib cage when I impacted a concrete pylon. My most of my damage was was internal. So it took me a long time to heal and be able to breathe normal. And my second video is called Simulation Theory. It was dur it was this incident that totally changed my perspective and all my research, all everything, all the discoveries that were inexplicable to me that I could not understand why they were connected and enmeshed and yet how I had kept them separate because they just totally defied all the paradigms that I had accepted in the past. That 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 incident totally I totally changed everything. My second video and all my videos after that was now explaining the history of the world through the lens of simulation theory. Mike was muted there for a second. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as simulation theory goes, we've, we've entertained many different variations of that around here. And like you said, you know, three years ago, you wouldn't have been able, you know, you wouldn't have recognized, you know, what you were saying or whatever. This isn't stuff you would have been saying three years ago. Same with, we've, Dude, we have <laughs> how many how many subjects have we have we not changed lanes, but new shit has come to light, and you know, and uh, new information takes you in different directions. How many times did that happen around here, Reinhardt? I mean, oh, good lord! Right now, where do I start? We've kind of we've rhetorical. done honest we've done honest mea culpas many times, mm -hmm. actually, of things that we've made fun of people beforehand we've we've addressed it and we've you know admitted our uh acting like asses yeah in happens. certain situations you know it I happens mean, a lot of our show i mean jason i don't know how much of of our of our content you've consumed but i mean even on our news show that we do on tuesdays it's a light-hearted look you know at the schizo side of the news so we tend to you know we tend to try to keep things light and funny but um a lot of this stuff you know it's it's not it's not light-hearted content you know, this, this yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, don't get don't get me wrong, guys. Oh no! Listen, I, I keep I keep a professional facade on YouTube mm -hmm. only because YouTube is very strict, and I'm playing their game. Absolutely. I'm playing their game because my channel is monetized, and it allowed me to do YouTube full time. But the real Jason Brashears, I am a biker, guys. Mm -hmm. I do have a foul mouth. I got a lot of friends that laugh at me a lot because they know I live a bifurcated life. Yes, I'm going to present myself to the public as a certain package, but in my daily life, yeah, I'll, I'm a steak, meat, and potatoes guy, and I live on my bike. 
Nice. My dad, my yeah, my dad had the red and whites bouncing at his bar. So I, I grew right. up. I grew up around in that that sort of culture. So uh, that's actually. Yeah, I'm not allowed to have a bike anymore. Just put it that way. Yeah, well, I got uh, <laughs> I got kicked out of several Facebook groups oh, uh, about two about two years ago because uh, I had I've somebody sent me. I know you guys have seen this. You've had to have seen this. This floated around. Somebody sent me a meme showing the flat Earth disc wobbling because an uh, asteroid hit it, and it shows toy dinosaurs falling off of it, and it said, "This is probably what really happened." Yeah. So. This it was so hilarious to me that I shared it in several groups and all the flat earth groups kicked me out. Well, yeah, that's what the up? thing is they they don't like the flat earth people. I I've noticed they tend to get very they tend to get very angry if you if you make fun of them. Um, we don't oh. get angry like we like I said we've come from uh, you know white people landing on the moon. It's our you know it's a, that's the pinnacle of white achievement. To the moon landing is fake and gay. Ha ha ha! You're an idiot if right. you believe that. Uh, to um, you know, making fun of flat earthers to, you know, doing the research ourselves. And it's like, listen, it's definitely not a spinning space testicle. Um, you know, and so we've, we've changed our, our views on a lot of stuff. Um, but as far as the simulation part of this goes, um, we, I've kind of always, we, we've always kind of like, uh, I know you know who Matt from Quantum Conscience is, right? You've heard of him. You know what? I have a lot of people trying to connect me with him. I, I okay. just looked at one of his videos the first time about five days ago. Okay. I, I've never, um, I've never, I just recently come across him. I'm, I'm really socially retarded guys. I have not really had time <laughs> to, to branch out and look. I mean, brother, it's all uh, right. It's all right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're I, I, I seem to piss off just as many people that are impressed with our case. Yeah. It, we, we have the same problem. Uh, it happens. It happens. But, uh, he was uh he he kind of has a theory about the uh what was it the the matrix and the truman show theory and we, we've kind of, we kind of expound on that and um you know we do definitely live in something that's not real like i said there's too many coincidences for this stuff to be real you know if anything were real the coincidences between the lincoln and kennedy assassinations and presidencies could not happen you know, yeah, that, was, that, that is 100% a really good example of a programming template, mm -hmm. one, that was, that was, one that was used basically too soon. Now, I have documented many of these examples of what you just said, where we have dynasties that, that are absolutely identical to ones five, six, seven hundred years earlier. And it's almost as if the AI system that is running all these, these chronological templates didn't think that people in the future would research enough to see all this stuff in the past because they were just so haphazardly thrown in different areas. Same king, same name, same situations, same date monikers. It's all—it's ridiculous. And that's a really good example in modern times uh, of, of the type of research I convey in archaics. The, the, the sim, there's like 30 different data points that are absolutely mirroring each other between the assassinations of Kennedy and, and, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. You're absolutely correct. That's a good example. Thank you. That's one that that one we've. I mean, we've brought that up years ago in our when we were still allowed on Facebook. We're not. You know, we're also banned from Facebook uh, yeah, and, I mean, and Twitter and Twitter yeah. and yeah. where else we've had Discord and SoundCloud and ZenCast and <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, dude, we question. The thing is, is there is no event that's unquestionable. There's no event. There's no. There is there is no calf too golden. You know what I mean. There is nothing right. unquestionable. 
I agree. I agree. And, and people get mad. People get mad. You know, they do, especially certain groups of people uh, that, you know, well, they get mad. Yeah. They get mad, Johnny, when you say that people actually didn't die, that people weren't hurt. Oh, well, when you yeah, when you question <laughs> the fake stuff, then they get really mad about that. But then when you realize that it's all fake stuff and you're like, wait a minute, it's all fake. Well, how can it all be fake? And then you're like, well, that that just backs up my simulation theory. If everything is fake, then that, that kind of settles in the, the simulation aspect of it because, therefore, everything <clears throat> is a simulation. You know, you know um, it's looking more and more than um, instead, instead of regarding events as fake or artificial, we can go back and, and with higher scrutiny look at these events and see that they're actually ritual. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's what and I mean. That, but like the, the 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 official narrative is fake and gay. What they really are is a ritual, a mass ritual, harvesting energy by getting everybody to watch it, by getting everybody's attention focused on it. Right. Like the amount of people. Right. Yeah, no, no, I get I get exactly what you're saying. But when we say everything is fake and gay, we mean the stuff that the normies look at, and they're like, oh my no. god, they, that that poor sick kid who is off his medicine shot up that school. <laughs> we got to get rid of the guns. That you stuff. Know. That stuff. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Well, I can go into I can go into a little detail about that, and even answer more of Alt's original question about the Phoenix. Oh, cool! But, uh, because it taps into exactly what you just said. It's a. It is also my theory that there is a group or a body, a body politic. We well, we call them by different names: the elite, the Bolsheviks, whatever you want to call them. But they've known about the Phoenix phenomenon for a long time, and this is the this is the subject matter of like a series of videos I did on 1902 and all the weird events that happened and how all this massive campaign of corporations and companies were all born in the same year, and how they're still operating today as Fortune 500 companies mm. uh, ever since ever since the Phoenix phenomenon in 1902 passed. They waited for it to pass, and then they unleashed their wealth. But not only their wealth, but they unleashed even many, many inventions that that we think are absolutely new, but they all came out the exact same year. And uh, like one of them is air conditioning. I mean, in the past, since 1902, air conditioning has basically created the world we live in today. We, we couldn't have the skyscrapers. We couldn't have a lot of the, the type of infrastructure we have today if we didn't have air conditioning. So right. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's so bizarre, but to go into alts question about the phoenix it's looking to me and i theorize this because it doesn't have anything to do with chronology but i theorize that the elite use the media to keep people at a certain vibration by employing these fear tactics and rituals they want the population vibrating on a certain frequency of fear and of worry and of and anxiety because these are the things that the phoenix targets it's a weapon it's hidden in the sky it's not an intruder planet i believe that when i had my first book published in in 2009 when when the sun darkens was published i was still holding holding dear to a physical heliocentric model and i believed it was an intruder planet i no longer believe that because it's impossible for any physical object to show up in our skies on may 15th like clockwork every 138 years and be documented with sourced back materials going back 58 centuries. It's impossible. There's no, not even the planets that we've documented. If they are real planets or not do that. There are nuances in Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Neptune. They've all, all been documented, but that's why I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe in the, in the intruder planet deal at all. I don't believe in well, for another reason, because 
in the history of the world, we have absolute, we have so many documents from the ancient world basically claiming that something weird happened to the sky in the year 713 BC. In the year before that was 360 days. But within three years after that, all these nations around the world were changing their calendars because the year wasn't 360 days anymore. Mm. Now, 5.25 days have been added uh, um, in their calculations, and they had to adjust their calendars. Within a century, the entire world was on board with the new 365.25. This this means that the stellosphere, this holography in the sky was slow just an nth degree to add those 5.25 days to every every measured year it doesn't mean our world has moved but the reason i'm mentioning this and why i'm a believer in simulation theory is because phoenix was called the keeper of the calendar in ancient texts and i cite these texts it appears every 138 years in the same month, in the middle of the month. And when this change in the year occurred, nothing changed in the Phoenix timeline. The Phoenix kept the original calendar. It keeps going forward, but that's impossible. Those 5.25 days every year should have modified that 138-year periodicity to 140 years, but it didn't. Phoenix still appeared, and I show all throughout the history of the world how it how it appeared every time, every 138 years. The, what I'm just telling you is absolutely backed with so many sources. I was allowed to publish three published books and an entire an entire playlist of 41 videos on YouTube showing all this data. But what I'm telling you is that it's impossible. Which what's impossible? It's impossible that anything can move with that regularity. It would have had to have had had its its uh, orbit changed as well, like everything right. else. Right. So you're, what you're saying is that it has to be some sort of mechanical construct or some sort of algorithmic it thing. Means the, it means the, the sky. It means the sky is simulated, right. and that we are on two different timelines running simultaneously. Now, somebody thought it was important to keep the the Phoenix timeline intact, although every other timeline in the entire world was altered. So simulated, like, I don't know as if this is a, a good reference or an analogy, but did, I mean, I know everybody in here did, but the, uh, the King Kong versus Godzilla movie, remember when they had Kong in the thing and the sky was simulated? Like, is that what you mean? Like, there's actually like a hard lid and it's a computer generated thing. Like it's a 4K high def screen or it's like <laughs> just sort of some plasma thing that we see because nothing is real well i'm a, I'm a numbers guy so I, I really don't know anything about plasma and i'm just like you guys i have never been up there <laughs> now i have i have read books like dark moon that is very very convincing about all the nasa whistleblowers that have come forward and, and basically showed that every element of the footage from the apollo missions was done in a studio and they show very compelling photographs of the moon the book is called dark moon it's a huge book uh, they show they show all the clues of Dr. Pepper bottles that can be seen in the reflection of the visors of the astronauts. Uh, uh, 1960s Dr. Pepper bottles uh, were in underwater tanks when these these things were being filmed. You can see bubbles coming up. 
Uh, it's, it's very convincing that that none of the footage from the Apollo actually happened on the moon. At least I was convinced from that book. So I chased its source materials in the bibliography and I ordered several of the books that, that it mentioned. It's just really, to me, it just never happened. I'm not saying that man can't go to the moon, but to me, the moon is a hologram and it's hiding something else. I don't believe it's a physical structure. I don't believe a physical structure that close to our world could ever just stay suspended right where it's at and we only see one, one face of it. it that means it's gently rolling in a dead orbit around our world with one with one whole hemisphere always pointing away from the earth yeah. and that's assuming the earth is a globe so we have a lot of assumptions to make because if we if we hold to true newtonian astronomy we don't even have a moon this is a double planet system. There is nothing in our solar system that has a lunar body that orbits it near the size of our moon. Now, yes, there are moons that are larger on Jupiter, but Jupiter is 318 times the mass of Earth, if the astronomy is true. So what I'm saying is in proportion to the body that it orbits, the moon isn't a moon. It's a double planet system. Yeah, so, the moon is an anomaly in and of itself. I mean, just the, everything about the moon has always yeah, well, been... The Russians, at the exact same time the Apollo missions were talking about going to the moon and all that, the Russians were were publishing a series of, of astonishing reports showing all their scientific data that the moon was holographic. The, the, the Russians weren't even trying to go to the moon. They were trying to figure out what the moon was hiding. Right. What it even yeah, was. Around that, time, around that time, there were scientists saying that different things about the moon, such as the moon is a plasma. And we've had later people, researchers now, I don't know if you're familiar with Crow 777, but he's done an extensive research and documentation of a, a lunar wave and uh, something that looks like a computer reset as a wave travels down the moon. And this has been independently documented by other people who filmed the moon as well. And I'm also of the same opinion that it's not a it's not some sort of sphere hovering above us going in a circle and never turning or actually turning in a perfect lock to orbit with these craters that are all perfectly uniform circles that should be blocked by the earth so that no meteors or asteroids or whatever they're called can hit them. Mm. And yet it's filled with craters. I mean, the whole thing doesn't check out at all whatsoever. So we're certainly on board with yes. that. Somehow rock and dust, somehow rock and dust reflect light at a way that is actually brighter than anything else in the sky like none of this stuff, none of this stuff physically makes it would on a physical sense make sense with the moon the moon isn't a place you can go to it's just one well I, I do want to add to alt's little comment here about the the crow's lunar wave theory deal mm -hmm. it's a i have watched the video but i think it goes far beyond the moon because uh other astronomers as far back as the days of of uh charles fort they thought that they saw a shimmering line in the heavens and they tried to follow it, but it's very hard to follow it in the blackness of space with a backdrop of luminaries. So they always lost it and they were, and they didn't have cameras to record it back then. So these were just left as notes in, in like the Royal astronomy notes and stuff, but it was never, it never went anywhere. Just like a lot of Ber astronomer Bernard, he had, he had cited so many things that were very anomalous about the Cygnus rift. And, but the, the Royal astronomy, the, the Royal Astronomical Society let them put those in the minutes, but they never they never used it in their theories when they were coming coming up with all kinds of uh, structures for the cosmos. But so what I'm saying is is 
I don't think that 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 wave that Crow shows is only on the moon. I believe that the line crosses the entire sky, and this is the simulation just rebooting. It's just this is what a computer screen would do. The old computer screens from the eighties, you'd see the line going all the way up uh, on it's your like screen. A loading screen. Yeah, that makes yeah. It, yes, that makes actually way more sense than the moon having a wave that it would just be so like i said it's the dome from kong versus godzilla basically <laughs> but <laughs> now why now i know we can't actually answer the question of why that would be happening but jason what what is your best idea of why something like that would happen you would think the creator the the programmer of the entire simulation you know the most high god whatever um it wouldn't have to reboot in such a way or is that a product of rebellion corruption something going okay. on through it that requires that kind of loading screen okay well another one of my mantras is that it only takes us 200 years to go from horse and buggy to hadron collider I have to remind my listeners this over and over and over because it provides perspective as to why Every time we seem to be on the cusp of great things, we get set back over and over and over throughout history. And then it's almost as if like artificial intelligence X introduces these very, very intimidating stories into our narratives, stories that like Jack and the Beanstalk, the Beanstalk gets cut down. You know, there's no sense in trying to, to ascend to the sky where the Tower of Babel, if you build a structure that's going to go all the way to the sky uh, this is what's going to happen. The story, and it might be true, the Hindenburg blowing up. Every time mankind does something for the first time that's really big and novel or popularizes, he gets retaliated against. And these resets go back thousands of years in all different situations. As soon as a civilization builds this fantastic, great wall, they vanish from history and another civilization comes in and, and moves in and basically claims it as their own. I'm talking about the Great Wall of China. Right. This has happened over and over and over where we get these resets and sometimes the entire population gets decimated like the Dacians. No one knows what happened to the Dacians. Populous area, populous area a Roman province. Then all of a sudden, something appears in the sky, and every man, woman, and child is gone. So these are the things I documented. These resets happen. So we are now at the point after 1902 that the the very next time that the AI system can ever can can actually induce a major reset, it's on a schedule. It gave us a pass in 1902. I have five videos on videos on 1902 to show you everything that happened, but it's almost as if it restrained. It just didn't unleash fully like it, like it's done in the past. But by doing that, it allowed us to move forward quick. And it's like the elite knew this. And this is why all these companies were born in 1902, then 1903, then new companies appeared in 1904, five, six, seven, eight, all the way to 1913. But they were all just under the umbrella of the companies that suddenly appeared in 1902. So we have this, we have this situation now where we've been given a head start. We, we exploded with technology and now we're understanding the world we live in because Another mantra of mine is if anything can be shown to be true somewhere, then it's probably true everywhere. And this this and I'm saying that to to illustrate the point about technology. 
Mm-hmm. We think technology is new, but we have evidence that technology is very ancient. I mean, there are researchers now like Christopher Dunn that can show you that the Great Pyramid of Egypt was built by machines, which necessarily implies it was probably a very small crew crew of men that were using machines that were computerized and doing all the work. I mean, the fracture lines, the boring, the the absolute uh, uh, tolerances that are 0.02%, which is almost 100 times flatter than the marble on a bank building. I mean, we have we have we have um, people like Brian Forster that's releasing books showing all the technolithic precision from artifacts from the ancient world. Listen, technology is very ancient, but they were reset. They lost those technologies. Humans have survived every reset, but we are retarded in our development over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But we got a pass in 1902 and we've taken full advantage of it. But in that, in, to in that situation, we have also been able to uncover the, the artificiality of our existence. We are now seeing the cracks in the holosphere. And with so many people in this world and so many situations, I'm not convinced there's 7 billion, but there's still more than, than there has been. Mm-hmm. So with this situation going on, the AI has the AI system now has a problem. How do you control all those masses? How do you how do you create enough reality reality tunnels and a power source to to supply all that? These are the type of things I discuss on in archaics. These are the things that fascinate me. That that we're not just in a in a construct, but the construct is now aware that it's having problems. Hmm. Interesting. So they. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I, I, I really, this is really fascinating to me, and I'm really enjoying this conversation. Just say that real quick, but uh, I want to jump back, if it's possible, to the 1902. Uh, so your claim is that the previous reset or the previous Phoenix event was in 1902, and you mentioned that many companies popped up right around 1902 or just thereafter and sort of took advantage of the situation, maybe the chaos or whatever. What do you, uh, what uh, generally happened in 1902 as far as geographically? And uh, what kind of world was it before that? Did it massively change the world or did it not really change it all that much? And the elite took advantage of the fact that they were in a superior position because they already had a lot of the technology and they made a big shift or uh, could you briefly explain uh, kind of what happened in 1902? Okay. The information that I convey is that from about 1890, it's almost as if all of those who had the wealth in the world stopped spending it. And we have these massive population shifts and orphan trains and really weird, bizarre things going on and world fairs being canceled when they were really popular 10, 20, and 30 years earlier. We have uh, huge just population shifts from Europe into North America, and we have this dearth of information as if like, there's a, there's almost no books being published. There's no there's nothing going on during this period from 1890 to about 1902. It's we have references in old newspapers, and we you look in you can look in microfish, but it's nothing like the explosive energy of the 1880s and 1870s and the civil war period and we look at and we look at all these old uh, bulletins and pamphlets that were passed around because this was the major news items of the day besides newspaper newspapers people actually collected bulletins and uh pamphlets they were very popular in the 1800s and 
This is how people educated in were educated in smaller uh, rural rural areas. So we have all this evidence from the 1800s, but in 1890, it's it's almost as if we had the technologies, we had the wealth, we had the opportunities, but nobody's really doing anything with it, and it's just a dark period. Then all of a sudden, 1902, we have. This is 138 years after astronomer Hoffman saw the Phoenix saw the Phoenix cover one fifth of the sun's surface. Over half a million people in Europe in 1764 saw this great object in the sky as well. They also saw the sun slightly darken, but it's it wasn't a major event. 1764, there was red dust, red rains. We don't have a lot of data for anything really bad happening, and Phoenix events only happen really bad about every fourth or fifth transit. So 1764 really wasn't that bad, but something did happen in 1764 that's connected every time phoenix comes there's a major shakeup in the demographics of the world 1764 all of a sudden just launched with the boston tea party and all the rebellions against the monarchies across europe and within a few years the napoleonic revolution in france and within just a very few years starting in 1764 the kings and queens of all the european monarchies fell and now we have all these republics and democracies everywhere and the united states also started their rebellion in 1764 by 1765 and it solidified and it became by 1775 we declared uh, uh, basically a revolt. 1776, we declared independence. So it's uh, uh, that 138-year period. Now we have this huge shift of all these people from Europe coming to North America. North America is turning into like a superpower. Then uh, uh, there was a slight hiccup when the Bolsheviks introduced uh, all the situations that became what we know of as the war between the states. But once that was over with, it's uh, we had a really good time in 1870s and 1880s. A lot of American growth. Then 1890 comes around. It's like we hit a dead end. It's a really weird period for 12 years. 1902 comes around, a red star appears in the sky. So a new comet appears. Astronomers are, are documenting it two months in advance before uh, May of 1902, which is the Phoenix timing. Astronomers all over the world are, are documenting that, hey, we got these really unusual red red dust veils all in the inner solar system. And they're 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 recording all on their telescopes. Then we have a series of volcanoes, earthquakes all, all around the world. Mount Pele on St. Martinique incinerates 30 to 40,000 people in a two-minute period. There is one single survivor named August. The irony is, is that he was in a dungeon. Almost 40,000 people were incinerated, but he survived and he was sentenced to die. He he later made the circuit with Barnum and Bailey. Uh, it was a huge, a huge hit with the people after 1902 because this black guy was taken all over the United States in the Barnum and Bailey circus and shown off as the sole survivor of the explosion of Mount Pele. So uh, in Guatemala, another volcano killed 5,500 people. At least that's the estimate. There was documented tsunamis. But the really weird thing, because earthquakes and volcanoes happen all the time, but the real weird thing that was documented in 1902, all over the world, ship captains were recording on their logs that they had to call all hands on deck just to get uh all the red dust, red sand, or red mud. It all, it all depended upon that locale's humidity. But it was always red dust, red sand, or red mud that fell from blue skies or fell from cloudy skies and almost capsized the ships because of the volume. Mm. And 
uh, 50 tons per square mile of this red fine dust rained all over Australia for like six weeks. It was recorded from the, from the United Kingdom area all the way across Europe, the Soviet Union, China, Japan, all the way across the Pacific, over the North, all over North America. It was the Northern Hemisphere that was most affected, but in the Southern Hemisphere, it was Australia. Now, I do have to, I do have to temper that with the fact that we wouldn't know if it landed in, in Africa anyway because back then nobody was making records in africa so we don't we just don't know about south america either but over the rest of the world we got a red blanketing in 1902 now so as not to promote confusion i need you to understand that we have a lot of documented evidence that there is a group of people that are running the world that have known about the phoenix phenomenon for a long time and what i believe is that they hid underground. They have facilities. Some of these facilities are thousands of years old. We have found them by accident in 1902 in Turkey, the ancient kingdom of Phrygia. In 1962, one was found by accident. Since 1962, the galleries and corridors of rock have been have been moved have been free of rubble, and we now know that it's 58 underground cities that are all connected by galleries of rock going miles and miles and miles underground. This is anybody can Google this and see this all you have to do is 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 google the underground cities of turkey and it will blow your mind what you see these were ancient fallout facilities somebody did not want to suffer what whatever what was going on whatever was going on on the surface mm -hmm. and we have traditions from ancient lydia which is the same geographical area after phrygia fell which was the hittite empire when the hittites were gone they were called phrygians when the phrygians were gone they were called lydians we have lydian traditions of a a very famous Lydian king named Anakos, who took the entire population underground to save them from some type of fallout in the sky. So in 1902, we have the same situation. We have the Rockefellers that are taking expeditions, and no one knows exactly where they are because they go to these little retreats, uh, family retreats way out in the country, but they don't specify where they're going. And there's famous people all around the world that just disappear. Then they come back out in 1902, when it seems like it's over with, because by by July or June of, uh, of of every Phoenix year, it's over with. It only lasts for a few days each 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 visitation every 138 years. So once they know it's free and clear, and it wasn't the big one, which they can't anticipate, they don't know, you know which one's going to be the big one. They just know the timeline. And we know they know the timeline because they told us when they changed the great seal of the United States from the Phoenix to the bald eagle in 1902. They have given us the clues mm. every single time that they knew the, the chronology and the timeline. These secret societies have held this secret about the Phoenix. This is why the 33rd degree of Freemasonry has not been revealed to the public. But Albert Pike, Pike's book from 1886, Morals and Dogma, which is like 600 pages it goes through all 32 seals of masonry freemasonry and shows you the meaning of the seals and the traditions attached to them but when you get to the 33rd seal at the end of the book before the bibliography it's just a loose fly leaf and it shows a picture of the phoenix oh wow hmm. i i have to look i have a copy of that book i need to go look <laughs> it's crazy I did not oh, know that about that book. Uh, clearly, I have not read all the way through all 32. <laughs> hey, um, 
Jason, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, since the Freemasons seem to know about this, does it come for them or not? Um, I, I don't know. It's a really good question, Grog. I'm a. I believe the elite hide because they know that this is a weapon hidden in the sky and that it attacks frequencies. It goes after certain frequencies. Now, frequencies can be attached to a lot of things, and this is going to blow your mind, but frequencies are not just attached to your attitudes and emotional capacities, but frequencies can be emanated by from beliefs. If there's a, a certain belief that you have that's really strong, you're going to be emanating that frequency, and that means it can be picked up by something that's highly sophisticated, some, ty- some type of, uh, of, of hardware that's hidden in the sky, but equally so. If if your DNA is arranged in a certain way, it can be a signature that something that hunts frequencies can find. Mm -hmm. So where I'm going with this is that the Phoenix being a technologically advanced weapon hidden in the sky, it's not an intruder planet that arrives every 138 years. It's a weapon that takes 138 years to draw sufficient power source and then at something's discretion, it can unleash or not. And this is the situation we have. I, I am coming up with the theory. I, there's no way to prove it, but I'm, I'm basically leaning toward bloodlines. There is something about the Phoenix that it's like a hunter. It's hunting a certain frequency that it's only emitted by a certain genetic pattern. So this is basically, okay, so it's a weapon in the sky that takes 138 years to recharge, basically, and then it fires whenever something wants it to, to attack these elites. Is that basically? Oh, that's the best. I mean, okay. that, that's the best. I mean, like I said, this is all conjectural. Right. This, does, right. this doesn't change the fact that this, this thing appears every 138 years. I'm just trying to come up with a scenario that will fit all the, the facts. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can come up with is why are you hiding from it all the time? And if, if you're not, if you don't fear, have some reason to fear it. It's a, we have, we have stories from the ancient world of this phenomenon. They called it the angel of death. It appeared every 138 years. This is an old Jewish tradition. I didn't make that up. I cite mm. the sources on that. And for this belief to be so ancient and how the angel of death appeared over Egypt and those who believed that they would not die showed their faith by, by painting blood, the, the blood of a lamb over their door, over their doors. Now, later on, this was contorted in, in, in bent all the way by religionists to mean that this was the blood of the lamb. This was Jesus. This is a prophetic foreshadowing. I used to believe that too. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that it's just a story illustrating that this weapon in the sky doesn't attack you if you don't fear it. The same, the same thing with the city of Baal when Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped out by this thing in the sky. This one little community that was not participating in all the things that Sodom and Gomorrah was participating in, they didn't get wiped out. They weren't even touched. Not one person in their community died. Mm. So we have we have these examples of, of, of people who are targeted because of a frequency like Lot's wife running away from Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I'm not saying the story is true. I'm not saying anything about Sodom and Gomorrah or Lot's wife. The biblical version is true. These are 
templates that are introduced into our narratives because they have valuable information. The information being conveyed about Lot's wife is that Lot and his two daughters and their servants were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. They were leaving a bad situation because they knew that it was about to get attacked and destroyed by something in the sky. They knew this because they were told. But Lot's wife, who is still vibrating on the frequency of the occupants of Sodom and Gomorrah, at the last minute, turned around to see what their fate was going to be, and she shared that fate. She was mineralized instantly. That, yeah, that's the, so that's, so she turned around, and her frequency got her. Okay. Um, These are just approximations on a theory. Maybe I'll I'll have more data in the future, but this is where I'm leaning now, mm -hmm. that because I believe the elite are using the media to 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 do this fear this fear porn. Oh, this fear. You brought that up earlier, the fear porn thing. That is absolutely one hundred percent true. We've talked about this many, 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 many times. They used fear based, you know, trauma based mind control, fear based programming constantly. All these, all these, what we call faking gay events. We just had, uh, we just had Simon Shack, the uh, the creator and director of September Clues, which uh, is probably the best nine eleven documentary. It goes into the fact that everything about nine eleven was literally media fakery. It was media fakery intended to cause fear, to cause anxiety, to give people fear so that they can keep these people vibrating at, keep everybody vibrating at whatever frequency it is that uh, A, feeds the, whatever the archons, I guess, and B, keeps everybody under the under the spell of whatever it is. Um, that's, I mean, that's absolutely true. I, I, okay, I mean, so yeah. let's take this to the next level then. So if Johnny Monoxide, Grognak, Alt Skull, Reinhardt, and Jason all agree that the media is promoting fear porn, then let's go a little deeper and try to figure out why. I believe I have the answer for this now. But to expend a tremendous amount of wealth to get people to vibrate on certain frequency and accept that frequency as a mode of life where their children are born into this fear porn and all this. Why would you go through all of that when you already possess 99% of all the world's wealth and you can do what you want to do? So what is restraining you? What is stopping the elite from enslaving the entire world? What opposition exists that we don't know? What benefactor is out out there that actually has humanity's best interest in mind? that has been remaining invisible and stopping these people, which could do it if they were, if they were allowed to just totally take over and slave everybody and do what they do what the hell they want, because they already, they already control the military industrial complex. And there, and there is no, there is no division between them. The military industrial complex of the United States is allied to the militaries of all the rest of the world. And so this is the way it's been for since world war two. So, this uh, this illusion of division and illusion of all these different countries, it's it's a, uh, it's all it's almost like puppetry. So my so I have to take it to the next cognitive leap. 
And that is, if you already have all the power in the world, you have all the militaries in the world, and you have all the money in the world, there is absolutely nothing stopping you from doing whatever you want to do with the world. So why is the world the way it is? Why is there so much resistance? Why are so many truthers unmolested? Why Why is there so much good in the world today that, sh- that there are whole people and communities that are living their life absolutely, totally immune to everything that you and I are discussing right now. They know nothing about this stuff. They don't feel the fear, the feel the fear of porn. They're not even a part of it. It's like they're living in a totally different reality. So my, my only conclusion that I can draw for this entire set of facts is that they know something is soon to happen and they don't want to be the victims of it. Mm -hmm. And the only way to stop this, something from targeting them is to give them a bigger target. Hmm. That makes sense. No, it completely makes sense. And how you said the elites, they like to hide underground. We've talked about, again, talked about this quite a bit. The elites have the dumbs under New Zealand. The elites have the dumbs. They have dumbs all over the world. Uh, Again, alt skull. That's a, it's another Godzilla king kong reference like all the all the cities underground being connected by trains and whatever all this stuff underground like we've right. yeah, we've talked about this many many times how how, how the elites have uh in, entire civilizations down there that we don't we don't know about we don't know what's down there i did i had to release a video a while back i think it was a year over a year ago I had to address something because I got so many emails and comments that I was getting sick of it everybody asking me about the white hats uh, blowing up all these facilities underground to rescue children and all that. So I had to, I had to address that because I don't see it that way at all. I see that as a intelligence operation to get people to believe that because they can't hide the detonations. The detonations were real. They had been documented by different people that were using seismographic uh, uh, technology and the detonations were happening, but the, the cover story was BS. I believe that the elite have been detonate, have been doing all those detonations to clear out areas so they can build facilities. Cause it was shortly after all those detonations were over with about nine months ago that well, over a year ago that then they had to uh, take all the building materials down there. They had to take whole, whole fleets full of new workers that they're not. So we had this in, in the United States, we had this phenomenon where all these illegals were coming to our borders and they were being funneled by military, military convoys to different areas of the United States, but nobody was really documenting where they were going. So I put out some videos explaining, look, man, these people are going underground because uh, these people have commissaries that have been prepared by these trucker convoys and the trucker convoys were not patriotic. These things were all done in tandem to, to prepare these commissaries for all these workers who were going to be spending probably the rest of their lives building these facilities for the elite. Because uh, uh, I put all these videos out. I got a lot of flack for it and then turn around. A bunch of people started watching the videos and started agreeing that it all made sense. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. People, people start to disagree. It's like, you know, first, first, first you look at the material, you don't like it, you argue with it, then you try to reason with it, then you find out that it's correct, and, and then, you, then you start arguing for it. Yeah, it happens, all, happens a lot around here. Um, go ahead, Jason, would you um, agree that the underground nuclear testing may have been the same thing going on? Because we don't believe in nuclear bombs here at Paranormies. 
Yeah, you know what? This it's it's only come to my attention in the past ninety days. Like I told you guys, I'm socially retarded. I am I am I have a I have a very nice library, and many of my books are very old. And that that's where I get one hundred percent of my data. I don't. Uh, that's that's one of my tenets on archaics that uh, all my materials from scientific reports and all old books. Uh, I don't I don't pull things from all other YouTube channels. I don't I don't want that cross pollination. But I respect other people's research because I see a lot of people's research parallels my own. We just got to the same conclusions by different avenues. So this is ninety days ago or so. I it it, it shocked me when a bunch of people were telling me that because I mentioned uh, a nuclear scare. I did a predictions video, and in, in that predictions video, using date sequence predictive analytics, a little system that I had created called Ophis. And I release office videos periodically to show people what I'm predicting for the next six months. When I had done this video, I had mentioned that, hey, man, guys, before the end of 2022, y'all didn't watch out. There's going to be a nuclear scare with, with the Soviet Union. Putin is going to threaten nukes or he's actually going to nuke something in the area of Kazakhstan. So uh, I do a lot of prediction, prediction, predictive analytics for using different methods. And so far, I'm, I've been on target many, many, many times. But I'm not scared about being wrong either, because when you throw out hundreds of predictions in in 30 something videos, you're going to you're not going to hit everything. So uh, when I when I had mentioned all this, other people, man, I got a lot of flack. There's no such thing as news or not. I said, look, man, I said that it's a nuclear scare that doesn't necessarily imply that nu nukes exist. But that was just my answer. The truth was I was flabbergasted. I had never taken into consideration that that too might be a psyop. Ah, yes. That's another one of those things that we've, uh, there's just so many things wrong with the story that it can't be true. Uh, and there's so many physical conditions that, that, that were not met and other physical conditions that were met that prove it was something other than a quote nuclear detonation. Yeah, um, I'm definitely there's so open. many levels. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I'm being I'm being you know. I mean yeah. This isn't the show for that. We already did that. There are we big did several shows. There are big bombs, but yeah, yeah the yeah. nuclear. Story there was itself. big boom. There was a lot. Big, there was an earth shattering kaboom. It just wasn't you know nuclear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did I did watch some videos where they field tested the Moab. It's mm -hmm. not nuclear, but that's a huge bomb. Oh yeah, no the Moabs. I, it makes a mushroom cloud. Yeah, absolutely yep. it does. I was going to say yeah, it's one of the one of the bombs that na just naturally makes a huge mushroom cloud. The bunker yeah, all crazy. the bunker busters, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was on the whole thing was on wheels and they just rolled it out of a C130 Starlifter. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I, I had a big uh, Go ahead. I, I had a, sorry Johnny, I had a big uh sort of revelation when they started talking about I think during the Trump era that it was either just before Trump became president or just after. And they were talking about how North Korea was detonating these underground nuclear weapons. And at the time I was just learning everything. And I was like, no, no, they're not. No, they're not. They don't have any nuclear weapons, but what were they doing? There were actual seismic indications that they were exploding things underground there. They said that there was even a tectonic shift and all these things happened. So I was just curious, like the whole world. I, I like what you said earlier because we completely agree about the it being a one-world system, and all of the governments of the world are actually acting in collusion with one another to make this whatever this great grand event that they have planned coming is uh, them all working together to do these things. But yeah, I have a I've angered a lot. Initially, I angered a lot of my 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 own subs i lost a bunch of subs behind trump 
when I when I released videos about, I said, you guys don't understand. Listen, I was a Trump supporter. I'm an American patriot, man. I love what he's saying. Make America great again. But I'm telling you now, what you're about to see with the Biden administration being removed, I promise you, this is one arm of the deep state replacing another arm of the deep state so they can move forward without having you mess with them, without having all the public dissent. Yep. Yeah. Everything, I mean, like I've, I've said many, many, many times to people, you know, how'd that, how'd that global lockdown work out for you with COVID? You know, proof, proof that there's a global governance. Whoa, whoa, you know, global? Gover- well, you know what I mean. To nor- I'm talking to normies. You <laughs> can't on. say realm. You can't say realm-wide to a normie, Reinhardt. You know what I mean. I'm talking about people Come on. at work. I'm talking about people at work. I'm talking about people at work. People who think that, the, that we're still on a, look, I'm not going to. Sorry, t- I've forgotten what that means, Johnny. Yeah, well, you know, what, work? You're not just a you're not a job you're not just a jobless podcaster, Reinhardt. You oh, know, yeah. I would never insult you like that. I would never insult you. You're not a loser, jobless pod, podcaster, man. It's fine. It's it's it, you have a you have a career and, you, and a family as well. You know. Anyway, that was an aside. However, um, where the hell are we now? Damn it. Talking to normies at work. Yes. How you can introduce yes. these things? Yeah, absolutely. It's like you know. There's definitely a one-world system, and the new world order is just the old world order. It's never changed hands. It's never really changed hands. It's all it's the same people that these elites that that are hiding from this thing. You know, they obviously pass down the information of where all these dumbs and all this information is to each other. Oh well, listen, listen. I believe these are closely guarded mm-hmm. and. Uh, I know I do not believe that air conditioning and all the entire list of all the different inventions that came out in 1902 actually were invented in 1902. I believe these were in underground repositories and they just brought them back up to the surface, hurry up and patented them in the new system that they developed and then released them to the public, just like they did on prior resets. Yeah, we have yeah, there we have evidence of, of, of so much manipulation in 1902 that these things came all of the sudden and at the exact same time. So it is my belief and my assumption that they came when the elite returned from all their little vacations and expeditions and retreats and all that, but they weren't anywhere on the surface. They were in the underworld. Mm-hmm. And when they came, when they came back up, they brought their toys with them, reintroduced them into the public because uh a lot had happened from 1902 from 1890. So uh, we, uh, I mean, I don't even want to get into the incubator babies and the orphan trains and all, because there was, there was, there was a, a massive disappearance of a lot of adults in the 1800s. And it's really easy to reprogram an entire culture when you're starting with the kids and the adults aren't allowed to educate them. Yeah. So, this is what we had in 1902. We had 1902 was was a whole new generation, but it was a whole new generation that had been almost absolutely divorced from any type of past other than the past that they were programmed to believe. We did we we've done uh, last season. We did an episode on orphan trains. Um, it's a very interesting subject. That whole reset phenomenon. We got real deep into that last year, uh, last season. Um, but you're right. You know, how easy is it to when you write all the curriculum for all the new compulsory schools that all these children are forced to go to? Right. It's easy to write and rewrite history. It's a, a really good point to illustrate about how easy it is to manipulate the entire world 
is what the Bolsheviks did to the Russian Christian people when they took over and changed it into the Soviet Union, created atheist, you know, universities and atheist schools, Mm -hmm. uh, basically created legislation to prosecute anybody who even spoke about God. And then, uh, the 22 million people that weren't going to allow that to happen and were planning on resisting, they fell prey to a very Q-like narrative. And they just didn't, never wrote, they never rose up in, in high revolt because oh. Bolsheviks took over because they were steadily fed disinformation about what was being planned and that we need to wait for the right time, trust in the plan. Patriots this is- in control. Yes. Oh, is, man. This is exactly what happened in 1917, 18, 19, 20, and 21. And then by 1922, this is purely coincidence, 22 million Caucasian Russian Christians were marched to death camps. Oh, and exactly. they, they built all these military facilities, and then no one knows what happened to their bodies. Yep. Exactly. Yep. 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 Nobody ever talks about it. Was that. Literally called Operation Trest. Yes. Operation Trest. Trest, trest of the. Trust the plan, comrade. Trust, yes. Trust the plan, comrade. Yes. <laughs> Incredible too how yeah. how the the years line up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely perfect. Again, like like we said um, earlier, Reinhardt, math doesn't lie. No, it doesn't. Math math is the building block of creation. Whatever whatever it is that you believe, I mean, people listening to the show, it is the building block of all creation. Absolutely, it doesn't lie. You have you have you know pi and phi and you know all the you know the Fibonacci and all of that. It's, it's all there in nature. It's all real in nature. Everything is math, right? So. And God God works to the principles that He has created. I mean, personally, Jason, I'm you know a Christian. Uh, I believe God works to the principles that He has set in this world uh, because He wants to, and so does the enemy, the demiurge, the the you know. Uh, AIX. If I'm not misunderstanding the term that you've that you've coined, I believe, um, you know that that being that's taken over the simulation. Everyone works within these pre- these parameters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, has my audio changed at all just now? I don't know. I don't no, believe so. You sound you sound still sound good. I just got a reading on my screen. Uh, but uh, anyway, look, I'm a 100 believer in the oversoul. I just don't. And many of my, many of my my interpretations of reality today are still very Christian. I the only reason I don't consider myself a Christian anymore is because I've done I've done so much research on the first century A.D. and all the historians that were alive at the time and what they were recording about what was happening at that time that the actual person physical physical person of Jesus Christ to me didn't exist. Yeah, it was a it was it was a composite of four major people that were alive in the first century BC, and by the and by the second and third century AD, it had basically become a really good Greek stage play that was presented in Samaria, and this is why the gospel narrative is very very visual, and each scene cuts to the next scene so mm-hmm. fast because the actual story of the gospel is a. Uh, Chronologically, it could not happen in three days the way it is presented. Uh, it would take weeks to make those journeys by foot to walk to this city and do that, and then show up in Jerusalem. Wait, wait, I don't want, I don't want to introduce any tangents here about yeah, that. Yeah, let's not, let's not do that. Even though, even though that is extremely interesting, and I mean, we could always have you back to to talk about that another time. Um, but let's get back to the uh, the AIX, I believe, is what you Nemesis X AIX. 
Did I well, say? Uh, AIX, like like Reinhardt said, AIX is is what I call it's artificial intelligence X mm-hmm. because this is the what just like he said, this is the demiurge. This is the provoking antagonizer all throughout world history that has appeared in different ways, like Yahweh, the the one of the bloodiest gods of the Old Testament, the um uh the demiurge of the Gnostics, Araman of the Zoroastrians. It is it is this demon lord that 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 wants wants humanity to fear it not love it uh to obey it not have free will so this uh the artificial intelligence x to me though because i've now adopted simulation theory has changed it's no longer satan no no longer the 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 adversary artificial intelligence x is a antagonistic protocol now now it's a part of the system itself it's um uh, it introduces two things that that I ha- I have coined. One of them is negative default programming, and the other one is dungeon programming. And in order to fully understand these two concepts and how they're promoted by something that's that's an agitator, something that is maybe evil that's inside this construct that wasn't originally here with us. It's an introduced parasite. In order to fully understand this, I'm gonna have to give you like a little thirty second rundown on what I truly b- believe about reality. Please do. Oh, absolutely. Everybody okay. put your seatbelt on. It's not that it's not that deep. All right. But uh All right. listen, every every you guys listening to my voice and everybody who will listen to this podcast in the future, we are we are living in two fundamentally different operating realities at the exact same time. One of them we all participate in and we can't help but but participate in it. It's the collective. Artificial intelligence X runs the collective through negative default programming. It's this, it's this easy, it's easier to be negative than positive. Ne- negative things seem to have more power than, than positive things. They're easier to uh, obtain or fall prey to. But cultures, belief systems, uh, political parties, if you take sides in anything, this is dungeon programming. It's very easy for an operating system to maintain maintain control over many variables if all those variables variables are like minnows swimming in the same direction if they're in the same current it takes less power to to keep them moving and keep them separated from others who are free thinkers this is the other reality that we live in it's the personal it means you are basically a spiritual singularity you are an informed field unto yourself This informed field contains every piece of information you have ever accepted to be true. Every experience that you have ever had in every life sim is with you in this invisible informed field. Informed fields are nothing that I invented. These are taken from from the vernacular of physics, where different objects have informed fields, where like a tree has an informed field, that tree has information in a whole, like a whole field around it that can that can basically be read by the right apparatus, showing everything that's ever come into contact with that tree, every every phenomena that's ever happened around that tree, and everything that the neural the root neural network of the roots of the tree is is connected to throughout the forest. So you yourself have an informed field, and this is why you can walk into a room 
and never having seen people in here. And all of a sudden, somebody that you're vibrating with on the exact same frequency will out of the blue make, make eye contact with you. There is a recognition. Our informed fields actually exchange information with other people who are vibrating on the same frequency all the time. It is totally u- unique to you. And it is interacting on a daily basis with the simulacrum. The simulacrum is this construct. The simulacrum is a mathematical field. It is a reflective hologram that reflects back as circumstances the things that you project from your informed field. Your informed field is 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 co-creative. It is something very, very individualized to you, but it can be shared with other people. It's why when People are listening to somebody talk and they begin to understand concepts they can't readily understand on their own. It's because they're borrowing information from that individual. When they are no longer in contact with that informed field, that collapses. And later on, they're left with the sensation that, yeah, man, that guy was really onto something. I really like what he's talking about. But they no longer understand, nor can they convey to someone else what, what was being said. But when they're in their presence, they can. Every one of us have this informed field. But the best thing about the informed field is that it can be read by the simulacrum instantaneously. And that time, the precedent doesn't even matter. We can do things with retrocognition and all kinds of different abilities and and build things in our personal lives that people in the collective can't do. They can't do it because they're they're under subject to dungeon programming. They They have accepted belief systems and modes of behavior that keep them fixed to a large body politic that is an absolute under the control of artificial intelligence X, which is a program that's designed to do exactly that. But if you want to change things in your own individual life, you have that capability because you are living in a totally different reality. Every one of us is a universe unto ourselves. You just build the mental picture because you're an architect. Once you build that mental picture, it's a little bit different than law of attraction promote. You build that mental picture and then you basically, you just basically know that you're going to make these things happen in your life or in somebody else's life. And then you must absolutely move your avatar in the direction of the thing that you mentally built. Once the avatar actually starts doing something, that's when the simulacrum responds with reflecting circumstances into your existence. It will never it doesn't respond to daydreaming. It doesn't respond to fantasies. It doesn't respond to emotion. It doesn't care what you feel, what you want, uh, or, or, or what you desperately seek. It doesn't care. It responds to activity after a mental template has been introduced into it. Artificial intelligence X is different. It does act like Reinhardt said, it does act like the demiurge, like an ego maniacal program, but incidentally, it cannot read the human mind. And I provide on my channel, I provide incidences in history where you can see the operation of both the interaction between individuals in the simulacrum and how artificial intelligence X is caught off guard over and over and over by human unpredictability. And this is why dungeon programming is, is, is basically its modus operandi. It's because it needs to corral as many people as it can into all these different uh, uh, systems because it's very easy easy to control a mass of people moving in the same direction. It takes less energy, but it takes a tremendous amount of energy if a whole bunch of individuals are all free thinkers going in totally different dire- directions. In the holography, now it has to invent so many different reality tunnels and attach all the phenomena that's attached to those tunnels. So, okay, so AIX there, um, 
is the bad guy. It's evil. It's the demiurge. It's the the thing that was introduced to cause chaos and whatever. But it was created. So this thing was created and introduced into this simulation. So somebody put it here purposefully. I agree. I agree. Purposefully. So this was done purposefully. So who would have so who would have you know what I mean? The creator created this bad thing called AI that you call AIX and then introduced it into the simulation to do what it does. And one quick thing to add to that, Johnny, hmm. was this thing specifically created to do this or does it itself yeah. have free will These are chose right. to do this? Sorry, right. I just wanted to add that to the end. These are excellent questions. And I, I can't sit here and, and pretend to know the answers, but uh, this is as far as I've gotten with all the data sets that I'm, I'm operating with. This is a lot of speculation, but like I said, it's educated speculation. I'm going in the direction of the data. So these are good questions. I can't answer them. I would like, my opinion is, is that if I'm an immortal soul on the outside of this construct and I'm really putting on some type of sophisticated VR technology, just so I can have these sense perceptions and, and go for a ride and I can develop my personality further by actually putting myself in a artificial danger through a bunch of life sims, then I would say that artificial intelligence X is a part of the program to make all of this more realistic. So it's a feature, not a bug. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a phrase that comes up a lot recently. You guys notice that? That's a new one that's been inserted into the vernacular. New one? Dude, I mean, that's, that's been no. in the vernacular if you've been on the internet for a yeah, while. I mean, into like the normie sphere to where it's in an everyday vernacular and not just on like B. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. I guess I don't know if you if you play video games. Yeah, that's that's okay, been around well, for a you're while. Not, sure, but <laughs> you know what? I mean? Anyways, if you I, play uh, simulations within a simulation within a simulation, um, right? While being simulated. Anyway, we can go. We can go. On I have a question forever. about the vibration and about. I, I guess it's not really AIX. It's back to the Phoenix phenomenon. But I find the concept of the elites trying to lower or to um, what's the word to enact a certain frequency in the masses so that they can hide or so that the Phoenix weapon itself, the weapon that comes from the sky is not directed perhaps directly at them, but is either dissipated or perhaps they can, um, you know, maybe, maybe it has to search harder for them or uh, if everyone's the same gross, disc- uh, degraded frequency, then it's going to have a harder time finding them. But Jason, does the Phoenix event, when it occurs, does it occur at multiple places at the same time, or is it always localized to one area of the world? That's a difficult question to answer because the chronological data that I base my research on is always highly localized to wherever the phenomena was recorded. And we just don't we just don't have the the benefit from the ancient world that we have today where so many things can be simultaneously documented. We're lucky to have Olmec steels where the last steel date is 31 BC in our in our modern calendar, which was when the Phoenix destroyed Central America. It makes sense that the last date steals and they were and they were doing steals every single year that the last ones would be 31 BC. We're very fortunate to have many of the archaeological discoveries 
arteries and the in the facial disc and all these things that show when the resets happen and they all add up to 138 years but it's always somewhere different which doesn't mean it wasn't happening somewhere else as well we just haven't found those artifacts and haven't been able to find those records so that's a that's a really good question but it's not one that can be really answered hmm that makes sense, though, because, you know, you only have documents from whatever locations you've been, you know, researching or, or uh, exploring or whatever. I mean, some civilizations have been wiped out so totally we don't even know the date it happened. Right. Or it's that far. it even existed. I mean, there could be civilizations right. that there is no surviving, you know, uh, artifacts at all or documentation. Um, real quick, Jason, let's let us take a break uh, real quick. Guys, you want to take five and use the restroom and whatever? I tell you what, yeah. I'm going to grab me a beer Absolutely. and I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you guys what spirits, disembodied spirits, poltergeists, sprites, demons. I'm going to tell you what these are according to simulation theory. Hell yeah. That's exactly what, what our show is. <laughs> yeah. So you're right in the, you're right in the paranormies wheelhouse coming back after. I'm about to go get me a Modelo guys. All right. Texas boy. Be right back. All right. And we, uh, Grognak, you guys want, no, we don't want to do that. We'll, uh, we'll do an Aratus Veer song. I think. How about that? Yes. All right. The twig right in Aratus Veer. This is, uh, one of his. We'll be back.
everybody, we're back. This is still the Paranormies. I'm still Johnny with Reinhardt Skull Grognak and Jason from Archaics. Uh, we are we're trying to keep it on track here with the Phoenix event and the associated stuff that goes along with it. So this this next Phoenix event is so the 138 years puts it at September 23rd. No, no, I'm sorry, not September 20th. It's May 2040. The May, yes, May 2040 would be the 138 years after 1902, which fits perfectly on the on the Phoenix timeline. Okay, so that would be when. That's when okay. the next instance of red happens. So we have mud. we do have independent we have independent confirmation. It's not just this very well documented chronology of 138 years in this phenomenon we can put every bit of that aside and let's just go to a, a french scholar named mario reading who translated the quatrains of nostradamus and widely published a new date code that he personally discovered and published in like 2004 2005 this date code, according to him, shows how Nostradamus was recording the specific years on the Anno Domini calendar of when his quatrains would be fulfilled. And he was hiding them between the centuries and the quatrains because his books are his book is called The Centuries, which is 10 books. You have book two, book four, book six. And he would name a problem. One of his quatrains would be like two, two, uh, book two, number two point zero so he shows a date index and it's absolutely phenomenal of all the things that nostradamus nailed using the date index mm -hmm. so he got the idea from the date x date index from clues that nostradamus had written a king in his private letters so mario reading published those private letters and in there i found a reference to 1902 and and the Phoenix event. These were mentioned by Nostradamus, not in his prophecies, but in his private letters. So uh, he also, uh, uh, Mario Reading also had done some research with uh, Cesar Ramadi, who is also a, a scholar of Nostradamus quatrains. So putting all this data together, I, I looked at the quatrains and I could not believe what Nostradamus was saying was going to happen in 2040. It absolutely mirrors everything in the Phoenix phenomenon. It mirrors what the Nordics were saying the Fenris wolf was going to do when it ate the moon in the last days. It mirrors precisely using the same language as the book of Revelation, Nostradamus ties in the sixth seal of Revelation with this phenomenon and dates it at 2040. So I published all this in my next book called Nostradamus and the Planets of Apocalypse. It was absolute confirmation. And there's like 60 different prophecies of Nostradamus that I show where he goes into exquisite detail about what we can expect is going to happen in 2040. It is the big one. It's the one that the elite were waiting for in 1902, but didn't happen. They got a pass. So independent of the Phoenix research, we can just go with Mario Reading's uh, discovery of the date index and then, and then look at all the quatrains using that date index to see what Ma Nostradamus said about 2040. So we can take all that and move it to the side as well and go with a third data set. 
that third data set is the prophecies of Mother Shipton. I did a video about Mother Shipton's prophecies, and I mentioned in my in, in a, one of my published books that there was a lot in the 1800s that was inserted to make it look like she had predicted local events in the 1800s when she didn't. Okay, but one second, part, Jason. For, yes. The, for those people who don't know, who is Mother Shipton? Mother Shipton, about 500 years ago, was an illiterate witch. But she had put together a verse poem that she used to tell people, and somebody wrote it down. Now, the version we have today, I published in my book, in the back of my book, The Lost um, uh, Nostradamus and the Planets of Apocalypse, I put the whole poem in there. But I also show the reader which are the interpolations. These are fake sentences in the poem that were inserted by, by people in the 1800s to make it look like she was predicting things in the 1800s. It's not. Her poem was absolutely about the last days. And she specifically mentions there, there would be two world wars. And she said this mm. way before. Uh, we have several copies of, of this poem going, going through the centuries. And she said two world wars would man suffer in this poem. But one century later, the sky dragon would return and oceans would slip their basins in the city in the cities of the coasts would all go under and that mankind would be forced to build their new dynasties on dry decayed ocean beds that, that were now the, the now, now the new continents. And she goes into a lot of detail about the moon turning red and the sun disappearing during this phenomenon. It's the Phoenix phenomenon, but she specifically stated it was a century after two world wars. And she said this over 400 years before those world wars unfolded. So here, that's a whole separate data set, Mother Shipman's information. We have now, three. Go ahead. Well, I was, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off there, but so we've gone through Nostradamus and Mother Shipton here. And now, what do you think about where either of them got? these prophecies this information from i mean it, because they are incredible when when we hear them right um we read her original poem and it sounds like it's setting us up perfectly for what's coming um but what what do you think about where this information for them came from okay that's a really good question reinhardt in the answer i promise you you're not going to be able to predict because this is something i've given a lot of thought to I have a video where I go into a lot of detail about some of the historic books that have been with us from for thousands of years. It is my personal belief that in 1902, we just didn't get the benefit of technologies that were existing before and all these new companies and all these vast amounts of wealth from the elite that started all these new, new corporations and the inventions themselves. But in 1902, 1903, 1904, all kinds of ancient translations from very old texts and books also were popularized, like the Babylonian Enema Elish, the Atrahasis Epic of, of Akkad and Babylon, and even the Book of Enoch, the, tra the Ethiopic translation of the Book of Enoch. So we, right. have, we have these instances 
of after these resets or or the the time periods when people thought there was going to be a reset where these libraries are reintroduced to the public i believe that there are underground repositories that have these books i i purpose i absolutely believe that the story of mother shipton is based off an actual witch but she never put that material in a poem mm. I believe that I believe that there's fact and fiction mixed here. And I believe that the narrative about the future is something that somebody introduced who had the hard data, somebody who knows about the Phoenix. And this is what we find in the Dutch Orland manuscript. This is what we find in the Colburn Bible. Colburn Bible is fantastic, all about the doom shape. It's a whole it's a whole different version of the Exodus story than what's in the Old Testament. It's the same story about the Israelites in, in Egypt and how they escaped during the 10 plagues, but it's so much more scientific and realistic than what's said in it. You need to read the Colburn Bible or just watch my video. I have a whole video breakdown of the Colburn Bible uh, version of the doom shape and when it appeared in different times in history. So your, your question, my answer to your question, Reinhardt, is that these texts are being preserved underground through these resets and the information from these beliefs in Texas being leaked to the public through different mediums. And this is how this information is, but that's, that's mother Shipton version. The Nostradamus version is very different. The Nostradamus version in his letter to King, to King Lewis or King Henry, one of it's published by Mario reading in Nostradamus's letter, Mikhail del Nostradam specifically admits to being of Jewish pedigree and that he was only French in, in, in only French in culture and that he he and his people had access to records about about all these things that he put into the the, the quatrains in the centuries but because of Catholic persecution and because agents of the papacy were were were, were honing in on on his family and his, and and he had acquired this massive library where all these other Jews were giving him their history books and all that. So he codified all the prophecies that were found in all these books and then burned those books so the agents of the papacy couldn't find them. And he published the quatrains and codified them. And then the codification is what was discovered by Mario Reading. Jason, do you realize how much I'm smiling right now as you were talking about that? <laughs> we were just talking two days ago, Skull, wasn't it? Um, yeah about Nostradamus and his his uh converso uh heritage. That's um, so weird. Oh yeah, he was yeah, he was 100% Jewish. He was just he was just uh he was just a Jew living in France. It was simple well, as that. And, right. And we and we here on the show understand the the Edomite Kabbalistic uh history of these people. Um right. so it makes it makes perfect sense when you look at a guy like this. But the information that he's put out, the predictions, uh, use that in quotes, can't exactly be ignored and thrown in the trash. Well, let me explain the origin. Here's We have to go even deeper with this because these people 
have been credited with all kinds of amazing historic text translations uh, and theories and ideas like the fake like the fake ass Albert Einstein. I just released a video about Albert Einstein showing how fake he was and everything that was reported about him in the early 1900s. The man did not come up with any type of mathematical theory to do all this. The establishment did, but they needed somebody to stand behind. He was an absolute failure. It's all in my video. So anyway, uh, what, what happened was during the Middle Ages, there was a dearth of texts. So they became very, very valuable. And we have historical instances where different monarchs of different countries like Hungary or, or, uh, or uh, <clears throat> Germany, Prussia, would put out, hey, if there's anybody that's got any books, I'll pay you 10 talents of silver. If you'll just come over here and let my scribe copy it, you can take the book back. Books became so rare after the Dark Ages moving into the Middle Ages that, that these books... The only people that could afford books were Jewish moneylenders. And their Jewish moneylenders had had this network set up all over Europe where they were sending a tremendous amount of wealth to the ex exilarchy. So a lot of people don't know, man, for about 600 years, Jews were basically raping Europe of all, of all their money by sending it to the exilarchy. The exilarchy was a whole Jewish government set up in Muslim nations. And this operation had gone, the, 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 uh, the, the Jewish operatives were playing both sides of the fence during the entire Crusades. The whole back, the whole you don't backbone, say. Do what? You, you don't say. Shocking. Jews, that has never Jews happened play, Hang history. on a second, guys. Hang on a second, guys. I think you have the first for the paranormies. The Jews are playing both. Grognak, write this down. The Jews are playing both sides of the war. All right? This is the okay. first thing. I never think so, I've ever heard that before. I'm joking. Honestly. So the main wealth, wealth from the, the transitional period between the Dark Ages and Middle Ages, which is high, it's highly controversial. No one can put actual years on those because different areas of Europe were becoming more enlightened than others at different times. Mm. But during that 300-year period between the Dark and the Middle Ages, we have, the, we have a lot of references to the value of old books. So all these Jews came into possession of books because people would bring them the books and they would just give them some, some pennies on the dollar, which meant a whole lot to the person that had the book. So these Jews came up with these fantastic libraries and by virtue of, by virtue of education, they become more educated, but they were also able to do the same thing they did in Babylon which was to take other people's histories and write a, a series of texts bastardizing all these other people's heritage uh, uh, heritage, and then turn around and claim those histories as their own. We call this the Old Testament. Now, when this happened in Babylon, the I don't know if you guys are familiar with all the academic studies that have shown all the material from the Old Testament that, that came from the Atrahasis epic, the Gilgamesh epic, the Karseg tablets. I mean, this isn't the really conversation for this for this right, deal. Right, right. But, but there's a tr there's a lot of academic studies that show word for word where all these passages came from from different different civilizations, like Moses going like Moses being put in a basket, put on a river. This is exactly what happened to Sargon of Akkad 800 years earlier. There are many many stories stories like this. Now, where we have fact, or where we have fact being pulled away from fiction, those are fi those are fictional to me. 
into a lot of academics. But where we have the facts is the introduction of the Israelites. Now we have these Hurrian Hyksos people that have flooded the ancient world called the Amuru. I have a series of videos about them, about them as well. The Old Testament is factual about the Israelites. It is absolutely fictitious about the Judeans. These two different threads of history run side by side in the Old Testament. One is absolutely real. The other one is false. And I have a whole, I have a whole playlist that shows you all the, the verses in the Bible that reveal all this. But I'm telling you this now because the same playbook was used in Babylon when the Jewish scribes were in Babylon going through the Babylonian and Assyrian libraries during the Jewish Babylonian captivity after Nebuchadnezzar II. When they, what they did for the Old Testament, they did it again in Europe in that transitional period between the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages because they had 90% of the books of Europe and they rewrote them and they interjected all these famous famous people and basically rewrote these histories like Pliny the Elder, Flavius Josephus, Philo Judaicus, uh, Trithmetheus, Hevelius, all these old histories, they rewrote them, made them look like they were Jewish participants rather than the people that they actually were. And when they put these prophecies, series of prophecies together, they took them from all these different sources. And that's what, that's what Nost- Mikhail del Nostradam did. He put together the prophecies in chronological material from Trithmetheus, who had got his material from all these different sources, but it was written through a Jewish filter. So when Nostradamus published published all this, it was by virtue, not of his own research, but because he was attached to a family that had a lot of money that had bought all these books and rewrote this material. Hmm. All right. Well, that was a little bit different direction than we wanted to go. One question that... uh um wanted to ask earlier what is what do you think about um was it reinhardt the black plague yeah the the black plague which seems to be a transition right from the the middle ages crusader era Mm -hmm. of europe and mysteriously you know destroyed half of europe just like the plague did in what was it 600 ad plague of justinian um mysteriously seems to have done the exact same thing as it did about okay. a thousand years before. What do you believe about that coming right before the Renaissance era, this rebirth? That's a, that's a good question. And I don't know if it is specifically attached to the Renaissance, although uh, many population explosions happened right after resets, mm-hmm. like 1902. 1903, 4, 5, and 6 is widely known in the United States Bureau of, of uh, uh, the Census Bureau that it was a population explosion. Well, Uh, The 1347 bubonic plague called the Great Black Death, what actually happened, Reinhardt, in that year isn't what the historians are telling us. The historical version is that lice-infested rats from China arrived in European Mediterranean ports, and the plague spread through these lice from the coastal areas of Europe and went into the interior. This is an easy story to digest. It's very believable, but it's patently untrue. Right. On my own channel, I I have a video that goes into detail and I cite, I cite these historic texts and the people that say these things. What happened, what happened according to the people that were living at the time is absolutely harrowing. 
what happened to the what happened according to the historians that left us eyewitness reports and records who were living at that in that year of 1346 and 47 they are very specific that some there was a phenomenon happening all over the world but they wrote from the perspective of what was happening in europe and that was that cigar-shaped giant objects were seen in the sky over forests, and out of their bellies were falling the decomposed, chopped-up, blended body parts of Ooh. forest animals that had been decaying for a very long period of time. Now, this isn't fiction. This isn't Jason making anything up. This is in the historical record, and I cite those sources. They right. said the plagues started from these people went out to investigate and they found that forest animals had been chopped up and just laid and just just basically festered and become fetid and it was a horrible stench and the plague spread from that and often the plague started in the deep interior of europe at the exact same time as the plague was decimating a third of the population of china india and all the middle east so, well, and it's it's referred to as a pejorative in a pejorative manner as a miasma at the time, and 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 you're right at the at the time too it was it was spread supposedly through cities like Kaffa, Byzantium, etc. Um, but yeah, it it seems to especially the areas they focus on, it seems to have been very purposeful. Yes, I, I believe I wanna, I'm, I'm a 100% convinced it was a reset by the machinery in the sky. I mean, this but is it doesn't fit the 138 idea. Oh, no, right? no, no, it doesn't. It does not fit the 138. As a matter of fact, that's a really, really good observation. Let me tell you why. Never has the Phoenix phenomenon ever started or killed humans with a disease or a plague. No, it's always something from the sky. It's it's not disease. It's not, we have we do have resets that were caused by, this, by by something like this, but but follow the data. The the eyewitness reports were like they described them as long tubes, tubular, uh uh cigar shaped. Now uh I know that it's very popular today to reinterpret this through modern frames of reference, meaning, oh, those were UFOs. No, I don't believe that at all. I have, I have whole videos about the UFO phenomenon and reinterpreting it through the lens of simulation theory and what I think is really happening. Same thing with 1347 BC. I do not believe those were, those were UFOs. I don't believe those were physical craft with beings in them doing that. No, I am, a, I am 100% on board that the entire sky is a holographic simulation. It is a cloak hiding the machinery in the sky. And then that sky quakes and all the phenomena that happened in 1561 over Nuremberg and then other cities in Europe in 1566 and then again in 1752 when the octagonal star appeared over Norway. We have many incidents, incidents in the historical record that the sky sim failed. The yeah, power in Norway, the power source failed and people saw what was really up there. I'm linking that to 
these cigar-shaped deals because we have other stories in history of these cigar-shaped things being seen by ship captains going in and out of the ocean, but they do not act like UFOs. They act like some type of machinery in the sky, some type of apparatus that performs functions. And in this case, in 1347, in the Great Black Death, it looks like they had just gone over forest and sucked up a bunch of forest animals and then chopped them up in a blender inside of them and then held them for weeks as they as they putrefied and they probably introduced the the bubonic plague in in this putrefaction and then they went back and they dumped this stuff all over the forest and in nearby cities this uh this this to me is a, a vast hidden apparatus of machinery that's being used against us but in this case you're right it's not the phoenix phenomenon All right, so that's a whole different that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, well I do I do on my channel, I do address okay. there are there are three different cataclysm protocols. Phoenix is only one of them. Phoenix Nemesis is one. X. Nemesis X is another. Yes. The third one I don't really go into a lot of detail about with. It's about the most harrowing stuff in the apocalypse. It's attached to that. But uh it's the dark satellite. And no, before you ask me, I don't know anything about the black satellite that's popular in social media. I don't know anything. <laughs> Because well, all my data comes, comes from historical records. I don't know anything about it. There's nothing I can research. It very well could be the same thing up there. I just don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of the black satellite. Well, the dark satellite is 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 something in like in the 1890s, the uh, Thomas Burgoyne wrote uh, uh, Ancient Egypt, Light of the World, and he goes into detail about the dark satellite and various beings being inside, inside, to, inside of a prison but they still have the ability to to affect things on Earth, and it's hidden in the sky. He goes into a lot of detail about it. This is from the 1890s. Oh, you know what, Jason? I think I've seen this before, and if I'm not mistaken, he was a theosophist. I don't know. Right. I, don't, I don't know what he was. I just found those five or six pages where he talked about yeah. the like I found those very interesting. Okay. Uh, I have a question. That it, I mean, it kind of pulls back to the Phoenix event and then the resets and world leaders. How much control do you think? Okay. So you have the elites who uh, apparently they have deeper, more uh, actual historical knowledge and probably more technical knowledge of what actually happens during the Phoenix events and where to be and what kind of preparations to make for themselves, hopefully so that they can, I mean, hopefully for them, I don't care so that they can escape whatever wrath comes out of the sky looking for them. And then you have world leaders who here, we personally don't really believe that the world leaders are the people in control of anything. So when you see someone like Putin or Biden or Bill Gates or Klaus Schwab up on stage, we think of them as basically just actors fulfilling a role and probably, you know, receiving whatever kind of compensation that they receive. But there's also... <clears throat> Like we mentioned, the Kennedy to Lincoln uh, synchronicities that occur. So it seems that there's a grand script of history, or like you said, templates that are played out, uh, which is the same thing as a script. How much control do these elites have over the script? Are they bound to follow it? I mean, are they in some way part of the simulation itself and that they don't really have any free will when they have to enact these great scripts that we're watching play out before us. Um, what do you think about that? 
well, let's take one event from the historical record, whether it be true or not. Let's take that into consideration. So the elite decide to finance the building of an architectural structure that will go so high that will be able to basically challenge the overseers, whoever it is they consider gods. They do this, they build it. In the story, the, the little simplified version that we get, it's the Tower of Babel story. In the real historical record, it's the Great Pyramid of Egypt. But we'll go with the Babel, the Babel story, the, the Babylonian version of the tower. So the people come together, uh, they, they build this great structure, and the overseers are talking amongst themselves. This is in the book of Genesis. Now, it does say Elohim, which means gods in the plural, but it's uh, these overseers are discussing among themselves, look at man, uh, by virtue of his imagination, there's absolutely nothing he cannot obtain. It, so it's obvious that the an enterprise is a threat. So the veiled threat here is the actual story itself, because humankind wasn't allowed to finish this project to challenge the gods. Instead, they were struck down in a cataclysm. It was a reset, and they and they suffered something that only could be possible in a simulation. There is no series of historical or future events that could ever make sense of what happened in this story. And that is that a single people with a single mode of communication, a single written language and verbal language, all of a sudden couldn't understand each other, but 70 different languages were born from that one incident as soon as a blast from the sky hit that architecture. They were not able to come together. Everybody had to separate into groups that they could comprehend. And then because they couldn't stay together because of incomprehension, they moved over to different areas of the world and formed different countries and, 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 and nations and all that. I'm not saying the story is true. I'm not saying it is false, but it couldn't happen unless we're in a simulation because in a computer program, it is very easy to change little slight nuances in programming to have drastic effects. So this mode of communication, creating all these languages at one time, languages are just coding. So I'm not, uh, I'm a, to answer your question, I, I would have to say that, that I believe that the elite know that they are restricted but they've been given great latitude to do what they want to do within certain perimeters. This I have to believe this because they should have already overrun the entire world. There should be masters and slaves, but that's not what you find. No, it's it's it seems that they they get foiled and have to start over again multiple times, and it's it's a little bit different every time. And they upgrade the software, and this time they added you know uh, a, a different aspect to it. Um, now they have they have a similar situation to Weimar Germany that they have in the United States right now, and just just uh, in the United States they have Black Lives Matter, and they have an additional. It's, it's a there seems to be a governor, you know, you know what a governor is restrictor, like yes, a restrictor, restrictor plate. plate. Yeah, there seems there seems to be a governor over the actions of the elite. Uh, nothing else makes sense to me, but I do agree, Alt, that it's a it is uncanny how much power they do have and yet they just don't go further. So I believe, I believe there is an elite and I agree 100% with you that if, if we have seen someone in the public arena, they're really not the elite. Yeah. They're just right. a high level actor. Right. They're just a high level actor. They might not even be a high level actor. They could just be Jim Carrey. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> like we jokingly say that, you know, Joe, actually we don't jokingly say it anymore. You know, Joe Biden is being played by Jim Carrey. Actually, how many members of Joe Biden's cabinet is Jim Carrey playing is actually the question. Um, because they are they are all actors. But in, and again, one of the things that I've always I've often wondered and we've discussed this before. Um, is if they have all this power, you know, people are like, well, they have no real power. Well, they don't, and they do, because the stuff that Klaus Schwab says to his, you know, little uh, World Economic Forum uh, junior leadership program uh, graduates like Trudeau and Jacinda Ardern and all these other, all these other, you know, non-New World Order, you know, because they're all, I mean, they're all taught in the same schools, all the same. You know, everybody, I mean, but they have no actual real power. They just happen to be heads of state. Um, but they really don't have real power because the actual power comes from behind them somewhere. You know, they are really puppets. Are you guys familiar with my, my predictions videos about, about this whole political scenario that's unfolding in the past two years? Which I have not seen it. Okay. Let I me, guarantee let me you, give Grognak you a little, has, though. Let me give you a, uh, Grognak, you really on the Archaics channel that much, man? I've I've been listening to yourself for the past three weeks or so. Awesome, awesome. Let me give let me give it to you in a minute in just one a one minute breakdown. All right. I have several predictions videos that are painting the scenario that starting by the end of 2022, that because that the worldwide public has pretty much woke up to who the players are, that there's going to be a takedown and it's going to be very public and many world leaders are going to be taken down. The public is going to be given exactly what they want and the new leaders that are going to be erected are going to be even worse but there, but it's not going to be perceived until it's too late. I believe that a whole new puppet regime is being prepped mm. right now. The fake, I believe that. Come again. The fake new world order. Yes. Yes, We've I believe. This but too. I, yes, I believe that that a whole new arm of the deep state of people who who basically believe are absolutely patriotic because that's what, that's the real issue between all the nations in the world right now. The French want actual people that are for the French. The Germans want the same thing. People in the UK are fed up with, with what they've got and they want somebody who's for the people of the UK. The people of the United States want to internalize. They want to become more isolationist. They're tired, tired of paying all the bills for other nations and they want, they want to internalize their wealth. So make America great again. So this is over and over around the world especially canada canada is sick of the trudals we had a true they had a trudal in 1974 running the place the trudals have been around I, I i think i'm saying his name correctly trudal but uh trudeau but uh it's all over the world people want to return back to nationalism the very thing the bolsheviks demonized when they called the germans nazis so it's not there's nothing wrong with nationalism you should be proud of your heritage and where you're from and all that but in in the modern world this whole concept has been so demonized because these people are terrified of anybody actually exposing their secrets but that's another tangent i'm not going to go in that direction but in my predictions videos I'm showing because I have seen the isometric parallels from 1974, 1973. And I see this, this, this return to nationalism worldwide where these different countries are going, are going to basically 
get rid of the very deep state operatives and, and, and globalists, that's what I want to call them, the, that have been running everything. And they think it's going to be a good thing, but it's the but it's the next generation that's going to replace them are the ones that are the real, real arm of the deep state that has basically wired all this up to begin with. Yeah, we've like I said, we've we've talked about the the fake new world order. Um, it's going to be. Uh, who, who, where do we first? Where do we first start talking about this? This is a while back, but um, there's been a few people that have that have brought that up. Different. different we've talked about it. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about it a bunch. That we there's even a theory out there that uh, which I'm not completely on board with, but which has a lot of evidence, which makes it very interesting to follow that Trump himself is an antichrist figure mm. and that he's going to sort of vanquish all of his enemies. And there's going to be this new rise of people who are extremely patriotic and extremely loyal to the new system. And then the people who are thrown by the wayside are people who are basically bootlickers anyway. So um, then there's going to be this return of power to this group of people, but it's going to be under the guise of someone who is just part of the same exact system as they all are. And then of course, if you just look at the way that Trump supported all of these ridiculous policies and didn't actually do anything he was going to say, you can see that he's not really your friend, but don't tell that to a whole lot of people <laughs> out there who are Trump supporters. Well, <laughs> we can, we can see nationalism being brought back in a very controlled and concise new world order manner. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not being brought back in the we're we're all gonna make it we're gonna win kind of fashion it's it's being brought back in a new form which is shackles the same as the old world yeah reinhardt i want to i want to reinhardt i want to provide you a little bit of detail in my predictions videos i go into a lot of detail about what i see what's going to happen in america we're going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. And I was very clear in my videos. I didn't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. The We have gone to the far left liberalist, liberal side in the United States, but we're about to see the pendulum swing super fast after November. Conservatives come back to power, and, and we're going to see them go to the far right and far farther right than we have ever seen in the United States. I'm even predicting that they're going to start passing legislation against porn sites. They're going to start le- the no-hide laws type type stuff. Uh, I, even, I, I had even predicted a major uh, Supreme Court decision that was going to start the pendulum swinging in that direction. And then, lo and behold, we had the, 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 the recent one about the abortion. So yeah. I go into exquisite detail in my in my predictions videos because I'm a, when I when I study isometric projections I'm looking at real historical events through the lens of hologram theory because I believe I have I have uncovered the templates and that's what I use. Right on, right on. Um, so, man, there's so many other questions we can ask. We have let me let me let me hold on a second. Let me get to the uh, we have a document here with questions. Well, if we're talking about elites, I have one. Um, okay. Just and, and we've already kind of covered it, and Jason, you already talked about it basically in, in the fact that they they seem to follow these scripts, and you said that they have a governor on them. Would you agree that that's the same reason why revelation of the method exists, and why, for example, 
you mentioned earlier that all of these books were, all of these new translations were released in 1902, and you said that they'd probably taken them out of the libraries where they'd been hidden for hundreds of years, uh, such as the Book of Enoch. So would you say that there's uh, some set of rules that they have to follow and that they have to tell you the truth, they have to tell you what they're doing, they have to show you, and then the people who are able to see it are granted some sort of reprieve? Well, either that is true or, or it would be an extension of that, meaning they can absolve their, their guilt by... Right. By oh, they can change their frequency slightly by releasing these into the public in the form of parables and images and, and similes. Because uh, remember, we don't live in a real reality. In my concept, we live in an artificial reality. That's why the greatest truths are propagated through lies. The greatest lessons that we learn in life, they come from fables and, and fairy tales and the most spiritual material that, that and I don't want to offend you, Reinhardt, or anybody else, but it's my personal belief now that all these religious experiences, all these religious religious narratives that we've been given are for our spiritual benefit. But I don't believe that an eternal God is going, going to rely on physical things to identify it or, or to even allow for that type of, of, of interpretation. I believe that that we're, we're dealing with a situation where we're in a fictive medium. Therefore, fictions are the greatest ways to propagate truth. So basically, everything is an inversion. Pretty much. Yeah. We're, remember, my, remember the experiment, the archaic paradox, where we did the mathematical experiment. And, we, and remember, it, it basically revealed that we're living not in a real mathematical construct we're in an we're in a photo negative of a arithmetic like an anti-arithmetic right and uh yeah so yeah i believe everything here is just the opposite it's the central nervous system by virtue of the technology used for the for the for the the central nervous system which is the bridge between basically the personality the spiritual the immaterial and what's perceived to be physical it's it's so it's so convincing but it's all it's all fiction. It, all the world's a stage. Shakespeare wasn't wrong. Uh, we mentioned earlier Matt from Quantum of Conscience, and he actually had this concept that I heard a long time ago. And when when you first hear it, you, you go, "Oh, that's silly." But then the more you study reality, you realize it's actually true. And he said that that just exactly what you said just now that great truths are revealed in fables and fairy tales and he would say nursery rhymes even. And he was pointing out the fact that the silly song, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 merrily. Life, life is but a dream. He, he said that that's been, it's too <laughs> shitty, too shitty of a stupid song to be passed down through history the way it has, if it didn't contain some sort of eternal truth in it. Mm -hmm. I sang that song in one of my videos on my channel, just playing around. I sang that. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. But hey, here's a really good example of that guy. I, I need to look into that guy because other people have mentioned him. But here's a, a here's, a, here's a really good example of the truth through fiction uh, concept. Some of the most profound lessons that I've ever learned, I've ever heard in my life are in the gospel. It's the actual parables of Jesus, not his direct teachings about how to live and about the future and all that, but when he spoke in parables, those parables are not the truth. 
those parables are images of truth. And I resonate with them. Every time, every little parable he said, I can read it and I see deep spiritual meanings and all that. It is a perfect example of, of how fiction conveys the deepest truths. Well, we're told by by Paul through God that you know we see through a glass darkly, right? It's the same thing as Plato's Plato's allegory of the cave. Yep, I agree. Everything is just, we see is with just shadows on the wall. Yeah. Right. We see with uh, so-called spiritual cataracts, as somebody years ago I heard said. Um, That's a good one. That's a good one. I got to remember that one. Hmm. Now, I, I had just one quick question. When this this came up when you were talking about the turn of the century and just all of the, not just the technologies, but also the knowledge and religious knowledge that kind of supposedly came out of this era um in 18 i i don't remember if it was 1881 or 1887 i know it's a a broad period of six years there but around that time westcott and Hoare out of uh, oxford in the uk um the british empire at the time came out with their translation of the greek old testament and that that has become like the basis for 99% of Bible translations today that, you know, so-called Christians read. Um, And it's, it's filled with, with changes and allegories and things that are not, you know, in, in older texts, um, there, there are a lot of changes and um, it's created a lot of division, right? At, at this time, it seems to fit really well with, the whatever was going on in 1902 <laughs> even if it was a few years before it seems to have fit well i mean if you google 1902 bible translations you'll come up with some of those too new translations to the bible were released in 1902 oh but, there were hundreds <clears throat> so yeah it's oh I, we haven't gone in it, into it in this in this uh video and i don't really have the data I just I'm just aware that from the 18 late 40s all the way up till 1890, the whole the whole time period, it, it is so anomalous, and there are so many people that are releasing data about that period that was just things. That whole period that we've been told about the war between the states may be absolutely untrue. I'm just not sure because it's it's so unusual. Uh, oh, it's just, and there's so much architecture that's being discovered in America that doesn't have precedent. There's like, it's like, there's no, there's no historical records that tell us who built the built these architectural structures in cities that were supposed to be supposed to be newly built. Right. So, oh, there's. I haven't we, really, I haven't done a lot of that research yet, but I plan to in the future. We've oh, done, what was that, Johnny? I said, we've done we've done a, a little bit of research into that. What we call the impossible architecture, some of these capital buildings in these um, these Midwest and Wild West cities, like the capital of Nebraska, the capital of like, you know, uh, which is it, Nebraska that's got the three story or the four story belt. Why is there a pyramid why, in why, Wyoming? Yeah. Why is there a pyramid in Wyoming? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. These things, these things we have questions about. Why is there a series of like 60 Roman columns in a swamp in Mississippi? Um, like that kind of stuff, you know, there's, there's, we have questions, you know? So yeah, I, that, that would definitely pique my interest. Mm-hmm. Now, look, if you, if you're in a swamp, Johnny, what are you going to do? All right. You're going to uh, build a Roman temple. I'm going to want, yeah, we're gonna, obviously what we're going to do is we're going to build a veranda underneath. 
yeah. Or why are there all these pictures uh, in the late 1800s of these massive cities like St. Petersburg or San Francisco with panoramic photographs with vanilla skies and absolutely no people walking in the foreground or in the background for that matter. Or anywhere, anywhere within the pictures. Or or in the 1760s, they, they had full knowledge of electric lights. You know, a city, yeah. a city like Paris was fully electrically lit. Right. It's amazing. According to photographic history and, you know, lithographs from, from the era, we have, we have evidence of this, but the, but the technology doesn't exist. Because apparently, then all of a sudden we had Little House on the Prairie and candles. I like doing because it introduces people, a lot of people to concepts they haven't really thought all the way through, but those aren't my data dumps. Those have nothing to do with my data sets and all that. Those are all in the, in the uploads. Oh yeah. Right. No, this is just, this is just a way to get people who've never heard of you to check out your stuff. And that's definitely, that's definitely going to happen. We have, we have a very active audience. They like to look into the stuff we like to look into. Um, so awesome. Yeah. Well, you, you guys come up with a, a real specific topic in the future. We can, we can take off. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're already, we're already two and a half hours in. This has been great, dude. So you want to talk about demons and fairies and. Oh, okay. And Check this out. This yes. will be real short, yeah, but yeah. It, with, with so many people hitting this wall of cognitive dissonance, 
And it's understandable because they're trying to bridge paradigms that they can't see can be connected. And one of the greatest challenges that was basically offered to me on my own channel were comments where people were saying, hey, man, all this makes sense. And the arithmetic does show all this. But but I just can't. I just know for a fact that my aunt such and such visited me on such and such and then visited my son on such 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 date. And then other people talking about, well, I know for a fact spirits are real. And, and other people are like, man, I had an encounter with a demon and there's nothing in simulation theory that could ever make me disbelieve. I love your research, but I'm telling you now, demons exist. So when I realized that this was a real, uh, like basically a rock of offense, this was a stumbling block for a lot of people. I, I did a video on it because to me, disembodied spirits, spirits and devils, demons, all this stuff, it's, there's a very plausible explanation for that in the context alone of just simulation theory, because it is, it is my belief that this is a copy of a very real world. And on the outside of this real world are humans conducting these experiences. And th this doesn't mean that there isn't an oversoul that's over everything. It just means there's another layer of reality that's basically between us and the godhood. And that, that layer is us on the outside of the simulacrum. But somebody introduced AIX. Yes, I do have a theory that it could have been a part of the program to make it more real. However, that's not what's that's not what the traditions say. The traditions are is that Zoo and he's called by different names, different actually came in here and stole something, and, and this world basically got locked down. So if simulation theory is true, and if there is an antagonizing force, maybe a philosophical difference in, 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 in the experimenters, the, the overseers, then is it, is it possible that while we're jacked into the simulacrum some, some, through some type of cerebral interface holography technology, uh, we got our visors on, we're laying down for 18, 19 minutes, maybe three or four hours, and we experience multiple life sims in that time period. Is it possible that something on the outside of the simulacrum happened and somebody went through those chambers of people who had volunteered for the experience and unplugged them and they didn't die in the simulacrum like normal people, people who are died, people whose avatars die by violence. They die by suicide. Suicide is just a normal death, like, like being killed with a dagger. It's no different. You just come back as your personality is injected into the next life sim. You get a new avatar. You're, you're experiencing multiple life sims until the collapse of the simulacrum. But what about those on the outside that get basically the plug pulled now their personality is trapped in the te technological medium their awareness is inside here now there's no bridge back to their real avatar their real body were they murdered and are they now are they now trapped inside because that would make me very very pissed off if i was a if i really knew because i lost my avatar i'm now dead inside earth though the, the reality that we're at but i can't get a new avatar because some asshole on the outside unplugged me now i can't even go back i can't move forward i just get filled with rage So that's that's demons. That would be a demon to me. Okay. So a demon is somebody who's been unplugged from the outside. 
That's what it be to. That's okay, what. It, okay. That's exactly what it would be to me. That, that is, would explain. That would explain the rage. It would explain a lot of the behavior of demons. Sometimes it's not all necessary bad. Sometimes it's all altruistic. Sometimes they help out. Uh, but they're trapped between worlds. And until the simulacrum collapses, until the time comes that fulfills the eschatology, which is a part of the simulacrum, which is a period of time when he comes to set the captives free, until that, the benefactor, until that event occurs, they're just trapped here. They can't move forward and they can't go back. Well, there you go. That actually, I like I like that theory. What do you think, Reinhardt? What? Hmm. It's it's definitely interesting. I've I've got personal experience myself with uh, demonic possession, actually, um, more extensive than than some people would uh, would claim. Would you say that possession is so? When when you see possession, it's a lot of times, most of the time, it's it's angry, right? It's abusive. It's angry. Um, it's something that's destroying the body that it's in. Would you say that this fits with your interpretation? One hundred percent. Well, uh, just think about what's happening. We have a disembodied spirit that can no longer move forward or go back and escape. The only thing you can think of is getting another avatar. From our perspective on this side, while we're still jacked into the simulacrum and able to move around in an avatar, to us it's possession. To 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 the demon, it's freedom. They have a temporary they have a temporary ability to feel being inside an avatar again. Now I agree with that because my interpretation of demons is uh, is the nephilim, the you know hybrid beings that were never supposed to exist that lost their bodies and and can only possess bodies. Uh, however, what would you say about the the intelligence of these beings that? It's not just rage. It's not just anger and vulgarity. It is a certain plan that these things have a certain intelligence and and uh, a plan of being imparted into these consciousness. Well, when it co- when it comes to intelligence or a hyper intelligence, it is a it is another aspect of simulation theory. And I have released this information in my own videos that. We ourselves have access holographically to a vast amount of information in the holo field that we've always been attached to, but our avatars restrict a lot of that, and the brain isn't what we're taught, just like the central nervous system doesn't do what we're taught it does. It's a filtering system. We only see 5.5% of the electromagnetic spectrum, so the five, the senses themselves are highly filtered in the avatar and we don't see the world as it really is. We only see what we've been designed and programmed to see. But when it comes to intelligence, it's not in the brain. It's in the field. It's in the informed field. Some people call it the uh, the Akashic field, uh, the quantum field. It has many different names according to your perspective and education. But this informed field is with us in every single life sim. Well, we don't really have instant recall of information that happened to us in previous life sims because we're in an avatar that didn't live at that time. But once we're completely separated 
separated from all avatars and we're just a disembodied intelligence, we have 100% total recall with the with the informed field. And we can remember when we were an Etruscan slave to an equestrian, to an equestrian uh, noble family in Rome. We can remember when we were chained to a Phoenician ship and, and died in a, in a naval war. We can remember when we were a crown prince in ancient Mauritania. We can remember each life we've lived in all these different life sims. But as long as we're in an avatar, we only remember the things that that avatar has experienced. So demons having a lot more intelligence than us would make sense. They have access. They have. That's why they knew and they were consulted in ancient times and even relatively modern times because they had access to the field and everything the field provides. I mean, they still. I mean, they still talk to demons. I mean, as, as recently as I mean, in in uh, Hillary Clinton, right? And she used to didn't she used to commune with Eleanor Roosevelt? Like that used to, yeah, <laughs> still does. Well, still, I mean, yeah. Bill Clinton wrote about it. He wrote about it in a book. How she does like witchcraft type stuff. Like that's you know like out in the open. But there's nothing about Hillary Clinton that I would disbelieve. Oh, absolutely. I I know. I, yeah. Well, she eats babies. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole Fortean society and the seances and uh, they it's there's a lot of evidence that they had machine uh, technology that was uh, allow them to communicate with those aspects of the spirit world as well. I don't know if some of those photographs you see are just doctored fake photographs or if it's real spiritual photography. But I mean, I, I bet they did have the technology to communicate with these things. And uh, obviously that gets that gets demonized as uh, to use that word as quackery and stuff like that, probably mm-hmm. just because it's part of the whole, um, the whole deception that they're trying to I lay, find, out, lay out. I find that anytime the word quackery is brought up that you can pretty much guarantee that it's probably <clears throat> true. Like if they're calling it yeah. quackery, really take a look at it. Cause it's probably true. If they're making, right. yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Like, especially yeah. when it comes to like medicine and like that kind of stuff or like, like, uh, like natural healing type, naturopathic type stuff. Absolutely. Like I absolutely look into it. Like, Oh, the parasite that people are making fun of the parasite cleanse. Yeah. Check that out. And like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah right. the, the liver cleanses, that kind of stuff. Dude, just the amount of crap that the average Westerner American, especially has in their body that you can clean out of yourself. It's amazing, but anyway, uh, I looked up the, like I, I looked up the uh, rivalry between um, oh geez, I forgot his name, Beauchamp and uh, oh Beauchamp uh, and Pasteur, Beauchamp Pasteur. and Pasteur, yeah, and, yeah. And the first thing Google showed me was like Beauchamp was an angry little man who had these crazy theories. <laughs> yeah. like oh, right off the, the bat. first thing Google's going to tell me. Right off the right bat, off it's the Alinsky. bat, short guy. It's Alinsky, right off the bat. Hey. <laughs> Reinhardt, settle down. Yeah, but no, right off the bat, it's Alinsky. Right, right, immediately off the bat, yeah. it's just you know, it's just these similar tactics every time, every single time. It's interesting. Um, man, Jason, we we definitely need to have you back on again, man, because there's so many topics that we could talk about that we do talk about here that you talk about and you tie into this this unified theory, which is a great dude. It's, so far, it's the best unification theory that I believe that we've heard. Well, I appreciate yes. it. But all from my own uh, vantage point here, mm-hmm. there's no way that I would I would refuse another opportunity when the hosts allow me to drink my beer during the podcast. Oh, dude, drink your beer. 
please, if you ever get yeah. the time, if you ever get the time to go back and listen to season one and season two, you get to hear blackout drunk Johnny doing podcast. So, oh wow, dude, oh, that was Lord. in the, that was in the heyday when Twitter was still kind of the wild west. This was 2016, 2017, when you could still say certain words on Twitter and get away with it, and uh, we and, and drunken podcasting was like a sport back then. It was like a semi-pro sport. Back then, yeah, I'm right. Right now, I'm at the cusp of uh, within the next day or so, I'll have 50, maybe tonight I'll have fifty thousand subs. Awesome. But I have a I have a real active. I'm, I'm talking about. I release a video, and I within twenty four hours, I got ten thousand views. So within within like four days, it's twenty thousand. So it's not just a, it's not just a high sub count right now. I got a lot of activity. It's nice. uh if you guys send me a copy of this podcast, however you do it, the, uh, I don't know how you send a po- copy. If you can send this to me, I can put my own visuals with it, and then uh I can I can put the links to your your channels and your podcasts on it and introduce awesome. my, my following oh, to you. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, man. So I, I've uh, I've done that for like three other channels, and their 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 subs went up pretty high. People, I, I just I got a, I got a real faithful following. So nice. if if I endorse somebody, that they pretty much they pretty much check them out. Nice. Well, we appreciate that, and our people are extremely loyal as well. Um, we've actually had we've we've gone through some movement dividing division and we've we've survived and yeah there's oh, oh, oh listen listen you're not talking to anybody who does is not already familiar with all the divisiveness okay. i am i am one of the most vilified individuals on youtube now i'm talking about my offenses from 32 years ago when i was a 17 year old kid oh i'm godless oh, um I, i've been called every accusation in the world you know some of them are half true but but uh it's uh you gotta understand some people I mean, I'm, I'm 49 years old. You're, I'm 40 to 49 years old now. I'm, the architecture of my personality is fundamentally different than a 17-year-old. This is so true. It's all, yeah, so, I mean, people don't take into consideration that, you know. And, and also, I went to prison for a lot of things. Kidnapping was one. One was sex assault. No, it wasn't a rape. But in Texas, it's still, it's still a registrable offense. I have a very colorful criminal history. It was very violent. I used weapons in, in prison. I got more time in prison. I got I got a seven-year sentence stacked on top of my, my original prison sentence. I mean, I've done a lot of things in maximum security. I have a very colorful history. But by the time I was 32, 33 years old, I had matured out of it and and basically fully immersed myself in this type of research so it's a believe me i understand being vilified and being attacked you're not you're not telling you're not telling me nothing i haven't personally experienced all right on well we appreciate you coming on um and we will definitely definitely have you back we will get all the links to you we will post all you now people can find you on youtube on your channel rkx a-r-c-h-a-i-x yeah, so uh, actually, actually, I just designed archaics.com to be my my nexus. It, it, all my go. links go from there. Okay, archaics.com. Check it out. All right. Oh, um, yeah, man, thank you for coming on. We will have you back soon. Um, we have to go through some more of your videos. There's so many of them. And, man, narrow it down. Narrow it down oh. to specific topics. Uh, Reinhardt, what was up? Oh, uh, also, I had noticed on your website, you've got available for purchase a uh, fantasy book as well. Is that is that a fantasy book that kind of takes your theories and puts them into a fantasy world? That's that that's exactly what it is. But that book is a paperback book and it's a it's a chronology of the entire fantasy world called Dagathar. 
but the actual books are eBooks that are on Amazon. Okay. And yeah, that's exactly what I did. It's I wanted to promote a lot of my ideas in the form of fiction. Nice. I'm going to have to check that out. That is, yeah, that is really cool. That's one thing I noticed that I was immediately like, okay, I want to buy all these. Yeah. Fantasy books, <laughs> right? Right. It's like fantasy books, more books for the collection. Right. Yes. Um, no, that's awesome. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. Check out Jason's books on his website at archaics.com. All right, man. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, I don't know how the Zoom thing works, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's held up pretty well, hasn't it? Zoom. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, yeah, I do. I like Zoom. It's the one I'm subscribed to. I use it a lot. On the bottom right hand of the screen is your is your leave button. You just hit your leave button to exit. Right. No. We're, yeah. We need to continue. Uh, okay. This after this. Yes. But uh, thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on. All righty, I'll talk yeah, to you. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah, thanks, yep. We'll we'll send you a link. Uh, so we'll we'll get everything produced this weekend and have it posted, and we'll send you links. Uh, we have an RSS feed that we haven't been kicked off yet. Um, <laughs> we'll send you the website, everything else. We have a Telegram channel too. Um, so we'll send you all of that when it's posted. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. My, my hopefully, own oh, subscribers. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I know you got, you have more subscribers than we do, but we also have, like uh, Johnny said, a very a strong animated fan base and our, I don't like fan friend base, friend base. And friend, uh, friend base. yeah, we have uh, close to 22,000 subs on the paranormies telegram channel. My personal channel, I just passed 20,000 subs. And awesome. so you should be getting a few new uh, interested parties of your own to check out your, your videos and, check out your work cool oh yeah, yeah they're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be noticed instantly by that this is the very first podcast i did with more than two people nice oh cool awesome nice. yes well you you will have if if need be too you can have the uh the full like audio file so that way i know you mentioned putting your visuals and everything you can have that file so that way you can put your visuals and all that on there too um, yeah. and direct everybody over to us uh, so we can cross-promote as much as possible. That'll work. It works for me. All right. So, All right. Thank you so much, Jason. All right. So I just, I just, I, I make my exit now? Yes. Okay. I'll talk <laughs> to you guys you, later. All right. See you. All right. Take care. Thank you, brother. Have a good night. There nice. we are. Well, that was fun. That was awesome. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was dude. That went by. That went by a lot quicker than I thought it was going to go by. I know yeah, it did. Was, the exit was kind of the exit was kind of awkward, but whatever. Well, yeah. But <laughs> hey, hey, hey! The beauty of no, I, pre-recording is you know you can just kind of fade it out. That's what I'd like to get to with some of these interviews is like fading out sometimes and then. Just kind of get rid of the awkward stuff. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's late. It's fine. It's actually not that late. We started early, but uh, that was good. No, it's 9.30. Yeah, Grognak had to take off. Grognak is not feeling well. Uh, apparently, um, the green slime growing on the walls is not just decorative. It's gotten into, into his system. So he's a little busy. Um, Maybe he, 
Maybe he caught COVID from me. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, he caught COVID yeah. uh, existentially through the mic. Right. Yeah. Oosh. <laughs> Frequency <laughs> vibration that transferred the disease. Existential COVID. Listen, you're just listening to yeah. NATO's CIA NATO FUD. Okay? That's all you're listening to. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. What if I'm not listening to anything? I only listen to the voices in my head. What if I don't do that either? What if I just have no voices? I don't listen to anything. I just act. Again, Reinhardt, what color is the apple? Uh, That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I have no idea. Skull, what are we going to do with this guy? This Zoomer that can't see the apple. (laughs) I'm eating... I'm eating the apple in my mind right now. Right. It's and it's delicious, delicious right? <laughs> See, I'm trying. So tr- Juicy. Right. <laughs> Both of us said it's delicious at the same time, as usual. Mine's red with a hint of green oh boy. on it. All right, all right. Uh, delicious. What? I'm, in, I'm not in the mood for apples. Reinhardt's like, trying to think what, I'm trying to think what an apple looks like. Come on. <laughs> He's like, I only, <laughs> eat, I only eat ground beef. All right, stop it. Ground beef and eggs. I haven't whoa, seen whoa, 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 whoa. There's chicken in there. In months. I haven't seen an apple in months. There's chicken in there. There are vegetables, you know, onions, green peppers. Onions, Come on. Onions don't count as a Maybe the problem is Reinhardt is in the 2D world, and so he can't actually fathom the concept of a three-dimensional apple. Right. So it just comes through like a dot of red and then a, a circle of white. I, guess. I can't imagine an star. apple. I just, I just imagine the entire cow. I see the entire cow from from all perspectives. Mm-hmm. That's it. When you when you I don't, when you think of an apple. Yeah, I I don't think of vegetables or fruit. Okay. I think of meat. Okay. That's racist. That's pretty it's got to be something. How is, how it is, has to be. How, it just how? It just, it just does, okay? Racist against fruit. Against You know is, what? I'm fine racist. with that. All right, fine. Absolutely. No. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. It happened. No. That already happened. It's too late. There's no, there's no taking that back. All right. <laughs> well, you know what? That was fun. That was fun, man. Dogbot, I mean, you know, Dogbot missed out a good one. Um, but And Hudson. And Hudson. Yeah, and Hudson. And um, I think Fash Gordon might be stopping by soon to check out the Nationalist Inquirer hang out for some news Soon. well you know what everyone missed out everyone but no it, out, but yeah, no it's, it's an interview it's show. Not, we only have so much room for the interview it's it, it's yeah it's the new technology right. we only have so many seats on the panel right mm. no our our simon shack episode was fun it was a great celebration of yeah, what didn't happen totally but yeah when we're actually trying to get to the meat of a topic and what actually happened or didn't happen theories mm-hmm. um you know we we can only have so many people on yeah i mean it, and, and, and people can listen when it's released right <laughs> all right well we're gonna get out of here uh there is a creepy pasta at the end i promise you that oh man skull you got man i'm going to bed you're up for the rest of the day mm, it's morning over there well, i gotta go to work now. i gotta go to work <laughs> i gotta work Dude, i'm going to bed yeah, yeah we're going to bed <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have yourself a good day at work. Reinhardt, have a good night. Grognak is already off. Hopefully, he feels better. We will see you guys on Pill D Live and Odyssey Tuesday night live for the Nationalist Inquirer later. Time travel makes you gay. The Phoenix Lights, 
Timeline. The initial reports. About 6.55 Pacific Standard Time, a man reported seeing a V-shaped object above Henderson, Nevada. He said it was about the size of a Boeing 747. Sounded like rushing wind. He had six lights on its leading edge. Lights reportedly traversed northwest to the southwest. An unidentified former police officer from Paulden, Arizona, is claimed to have been the next person to report a sighting after leaving his house about 2015 Mountain Standard Time. He was driving north. He allegedly saw a cluster of reddish or orange lights in the sky, comprising four lights together and a fifth light trailing them. Each of the individual lights in the formation appeared to the witness to consist of two separate point sources of orange light. He returned home and watched the lights through binoculars until they disappeared south over the horizon. Prescott in Prescott Valley Lights were also reportedly seen in the areas of Prescott and Prescott Valley at approximately 2017 Mountain Standard Time. Callers began reporting the object was definitely solid because it blocked out much of the starry sky as it passed over. The National UFO Reporting Center received the following report from the Prescott area. We observed five yellow-white lights in a V formation moving slowly from the northwest across the sky to the northeast and then almost due south and continue until out of sight. The point of the V was in the direction of movement. The first three lights were in a fairly tight V, while two, two of the lights were further back along the line of the V's legs. During the northwest-northeast transit, one of the trailing lights moved up and joined the three and then dropped back into the trailing position. I estimated the three-light V to cover about 0.5 degrees of sky and the whole group of five lights to cover about one degree of sky. First sighting from Phoenix. Tim Lay and his wife Bobby and his son Hal and his grandson Damien first saw the lights when they were above Prescott Valley about 65 miles away from them. At first the lights appeared to them as five separate and distinct lights in an arc shape as if they were on top of a balloon and they soon realized that the lights appeared to be moving towards them. Over the next 10 or so minutes, the lights appeared to come closer and distance between the lights increased and they took on the shape of an upside down V. Eventually, when the lights appeared to be a couple miles away, the witnesses could make out the shape that looked like a 60 degree carpenter square with the five lights set into it with one at the front and two on each side. Soon, the object with the embedded lights appeared to be coming right down the street where they lived, about 100 to 150 feet above them, traveling so slowly that it appeared to hover and was silent. The object then seemed to pass over the heads and went through a V opening in the peaks of the mountain range towards Squaw Peak Mountain and toward the direction of Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Witnesses in Glendale, a suburb northwest of Phoenix, saw the object pass overhead at an altitude high enough to become obscured by the thin clouds. This was approximately between 2030 and 2045 
Mountain Standard Time. Arriving in Phoenix. When the triangular formation entered the Phoenix area, Bill Grenier, a cement driver hauling a load down a mountain north of Phoenix, described the second group of lights. I'll never be the same. Before this, if anybody had told me they had saw a UFO, I would have said, yeah, and I believe in the Tooth Fairy. Now I got a whole new view, and I may just be a dumb truck driver, but I've seen something that don't belong here. Grenier stated that the lights hovered over the area for more than two hours. After Phoenix, a report came from a young man in the Kingman area who stopped his car at a payphone to report the incident. The young man, on route to Los Angeles, called from a phone booth to report having seen a large and bizarre cluster of stars moving towards slowly in the northern sky. <laughs>